going on blacks and everybody in between i am <laughs> josh rogers what what an intro mm-hmm. i am brian Hare, and welcome to another episode of the jigsaw podcast your favorite podcast where we talk about all the things concerning oh. life but particularly we talk about the perils the praises the productivity and the pump of circumstance of two black negroes just trying to figure it out brian yes alan 14 hair yes how yeah, are you good news um, it's it's always a great day to be black, brother. My God, always. my it's God, always a great day to be black. Yeah. Um, and yo to the good brothers. Yeah. Uh, as you, <laughs> we are in spirit. We didn't plan this. We didn't uh, plan for it. those that are that are listening and not seeing. Uh, we both have on uh our Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated paraphernalia. Paraphernalia. It's it's it was a summer of. Mm-hmm. Meetings for the different D nine organizations. My God, weren't they meeting? Um, they met, and I'm telling the you, the IOTAs had their I- huddle last week. <laughs> the IOTAs came, mm-hmm. and all eight of them just yes. stormed and the city. Eighty <laughs> percent of their founders were there. <laughs> There's some of their first initiates ever were there. Right. What can Brown do for you? What What a time. What a time, what a time. And there, I, there me was, and Brian are just here wearing our gang colors, <laughs> making Diggs proud. Like <laughs> the older new school, the little. Oh, I, 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 oh, I love an old school yo. I do. I love, I, I love a, me too. I'm gonna start doing that in pictures every once oh, you, know, you know, you know, I like to throw mine low anyway. So I, yeah, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. So when I see them, I'm like, oh, you are old school. You, you, you like, you like history. You like history. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but man, everything good with you? Back to school. Back to school. My, let me tell Back you to school. the joy <laughs> that has come to my soul. <laughs> Yesterday was the first official day. <laughs> and when I tell you, shout out Jackie Rogers, who was the first person in carpool line at her school. I saw her story and she was <laughs> so honest about it. Let me tell you how yesterday, you know, I used mm-hmm. to go to the gym early. Mm-hmm. And I went, I got back to this house. I made last the night before. I was I, I did everything to prepare ash. I, I, I ironed clothes. Lunches were packed. <laughs> Fruit was packed for the week. Reverend, the mm. things were in order. Do you understand me? I said, Josh, pick out your clothes now. I got back to this house. I got him ready. I did his hair. I left no st- I left no stone on turn. I got him there, dropped him off in that carpool line. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when I tell you it felt so good, I told them teachers on open house. I said, Hello, they are yours. For the next 180 days, I am done parenting. <laughs> I'm so glad. I'm so mm. glad. But that also comes with the um, the the the, the restarting the the schedules though, because now Josh got yeah. after school band practice. He's going to start soccer next month. Jaden has already been in football practice. Now it's the mandatory three times a week plus Saturday games. Like they got a jamboree coming up in two weeks, so it's getting busier. But I don't have to worry about shh. I'm on a meet, and I can worry about about all my food being ate up, (laughs) bro. Them niggas just eat. I'd be like, "Do you eat like this at school? Do you eat like this at school? No. (laughs) You have lunch and a designated snack time. Y'all just in here eat, going in the refrigerator, going. (laughs) They know what the pantry look like more than the pantry. So, (laughs) 
so excited. I'm so excited that they are back in school. My God. Oh, we went school shopping. Oh, okay. Sunday after church. Mm. Like most blacks, we were last minute. Pandemonium. Pandemonium. <laughs> Every black in Atlanta was in the mall. Right? We went, you know, our church is out there. In a, you know, in a good in, in the perimeters. Yeah. yeah. The blacks stormed perimeter mall. <laughs> they it looked like Green Bride up in there. Did you hear me? It was black up in green perimeter. Every, the JD Sports made billions. <laughs> and it was brother and Josh. God bless his soul. He's you know he hadn't hit his growth spurt yet, mm-hmm. but his feet has. Oh, Reverend, we kept trying on shoes. You know we you know black would be like stand up in them. You know we do the thumb walk, test walk on around. the toe, walk around, <laughs> Reverend. We need some more room because I ain't buying no blah blah blah. Hello. So we end up so we end up going so the men's section. Josh really liked the Jays and stuff. There. So first mm-hmm. of all, my kids, I can't wait to your experiences with Brooklyn. I can't okay. wait. My kids, we we and I know it's gonna happen to you because of who you are. And okay. I've done this with my children, and this is how I know it's coming to you because you're okay. a bigger sneakerhead than me. Mm-hmm. I said, find some shoes. They go straight to the Jordan section. <laughs> they bypass. They, you know, New Balances is back in style. Everything. Yeah. They go past. They go. And they, Jaden used to love Air Max. Go walk past all of that straight to the mm. Mm. the kids section. Jaden like, mm, I don't know. And then here's the other thing. Oh, I got those. I got those. I was like, oh well. <laughs> so, so I was like, okay. So of course the women like Jordan ones are Jordan ones, and sometimes yeah. to me the better colorways be in the women. Yes, without so a doubt. So I said, yeah. I said, let's go to the women's department. Yeah, man, Jaden got these maroon and ivory. It looked like some. It looked like some old school. <laughs> okay. Bro, them joints are so freaking beautiful. I mm. mean, beautiful. Hundred and fifty five dollars though. <laughs> so he got a woman's. Jaden got like a woman's five and a half or six. So he's like yeah. a six and kids or something. <clears throat> yeah. Josh, we was like, okay, so you get like a woman's seven because him and Ash was wearing the same size shoe or okay. a woman's eight or something. Too little. Like, oh. Eight and a half. Too little. Oh. So that Jay, so we end up getting Jaden's shoe from Perimeter. We end up having to go to uh, <laughs> the Ghetto Ghetto, which is oh. Cumberland Mall. Because, um, you know, Cumberland did turn hood. It's, yeah. It sits in the suburbs. <laughs> yeah. But the mall itself, like everything yeah. around Cumberland is multi-million dollar whatever. Without a doubt. That yeah. mall, though, <laughs> It has shifted. <clears throat> but I what? will say, I feel outside of maybe the hood hood, they have the best sneaker stores. Because they yeah, got they like have, every sneaker so store. Many. Yeah. They got it's Jimmy like Jazz. <laughs> Jimmy, what is it? Jimmy Jazz and uh, Flight Foot Action. Bro, they got everything you can think of. Bro, they got Jimmy Jazz, JD, Champion, Foot Locker, Foot Locker Kids, a, a, a woman's Foot Locker still, a finish line in Macy's. Yeah. They used to have a Foot Action. It's like nine stores in there. Yeah, they got everything. Everything. Oh, and they got like a city gear that sells shoes. Like they got because city gear is known for their shoes now, not yeah. clothes. Yeah. So we end up going to JD Sports in the Cumberland. Mm-hmm. All sizes gone. So we went to Foot Locker. Reverend. So he got like some. I think he got like the. I think he got some sixes. Mm-hmm. Let me let me look up that number. Jordan sixes. So I can make sure it's the right one. I'm talking. Yep. Which is, which is a good shoe. No, he didn't get the sixes. Maybe. Is it seven? Because seven is no, because it's one of them. It ain't the okay. Let me see. Yes, he got the sevens. Mm, yeah. He got the sevens, orange and white. Mm. I'm like, first of all, interesting colorway, but that's what he liked. Reverend, that nigga had to get a nine and a half in women, so which is like a, a like an eight or something like yeah. that in men. <clears throat> yeah, because it's point one point five difference. Yeah, He's a full grown man shoe now. 
Now, now, here's the thing. Here's the thing, though. I was oh, an issue, $180. Oh. <laughs> just they, bro, we dropped about $400 quick on just shoes. So get prepared for that. Mm. Uh, but here, I mean, this is what I will tell you the only silver lining in it, mm-hmm. and I'm, this is to all the parents who are out there who are young, like Brian and Lauren, them with the babies coming up. It's not as bad spending that kind of money on shoes for children these days when they transition to adults because mm-hmm. if you buying them J's at Air Maxes Love Now, the, the price difference of today is not the same as it used to be when we were kids. Okay. You know, like so for us when we were kids, the kids used to be like 60, 70, adults were maybe 100, 120. Mm-hmm. Now kids are like 105, 110. Mm-hmm. Adults is like one twenty, one thirty, so you're literally only paying like ten to twenty dollars more. Yeah. So in that, so I'm I'm not I'm not as like mad that he's in adult shoes. I'm not paying mm-hmm. too much more money. What I what I am getting concerned about though mm-hmm. is that Jaden and Josh keep their eyes on my feet a lot. <laughs> Oh, and I'm just like, no, 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 no. Daddy, daddy works hard. You're not putting your feet knees. <laughs> when they get to your size, I'm. I know that, I, bro. I know they're gonna be going in there trying to sneak my shoes because I, because like our our master bedroom, as, as I'm gonna tell a little bit of bride's business, my master bedroom, like yours, can't hold all my shoes. Uh-huh. So my guest bedroom has plenty, of, and I'm sure they might sneak go in oh, there. Oh yeah, pull a pair down. <clears throat> Yeah, the prized possessions are in the main closet, but the mm-hmm. other ones, ones I see was half how I organized because I work from home. Most of my sneakers are in my main closet. Most of my loafers and stuff are mm. in the other closet because I, you know, I'm probably only wearing those on Sundays, going yeah. out, special occasions. But I got a couple of sneakers over there because, as you know, as I've gotten more, I need to put them somewhere. And then, like, like, somewhere. like if my Cherry Eleven is gonna miss them every one day, oh, we fight. I've only <laughs> one of those things twice. And it's almost been a year. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, wore mine like once or twice. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. And Those I got a pair like I got some. You know, I knew I tried to be the hood black dad and get all of some matching pair of J's for Christmas. Mm-hmm. The, one, the pair that I got, I haven't yet to wear mine yet. Oh but wow, okay. They, I say that to say, Josh and Jaden got their own. But I will say, if they got old, to be like, I still like that shoe. <laughs> Daddy got some. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I need their foot to either be bigger than mine or smaller than mine. Yes, because I can't wear my dad's shoe. My dad wears a ten, no, an eleven. Mm-hmm. A little bit too big for me. I'm a 10 and a half. First of all, my dad don't wear any shoes that I particularly care for, <laughs> except the ones, <laughs> except the ones I buy him. Right. I've been upgrading man. He got a couple pair of like nice waffles. I bought his. I bought his first pair of Jays okay. this past Christmas. Okay. My dad is my dad and mom are from the from the generation that they not spend that kind of money on no tennis oh, shoes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, old you know old blacks called them tennis shoes. They oh, not yeah. sneakers. They tennis shoes. Tennis shoes. <laughs> You are, you are right. And yeah. my grandma just say tennis. <laughs> okay. Said, what kind of tennis them is? <laughs> I love black people. <laughs> Me too. Black people are just, oh, just amazing. But anyway, enough of my parent ranting. How was your first day of school? I saw Brooklyn with your first day of pre-K. Yeah, um, it's interesting. So she's at a different school now. As Oh, uh, so you got to worry about her getting bit? By the crazy kid and the and the rude receptionist and stuff like that no more. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so we so yeah so you told some stories on this podcast, better God. I have, <laughs> I have uh, the little bad kids at other school. Um, so it's a different school. It's okay, a, um, a little more. Um, let me say, say this. A little more organized. Let me say that in terms okay. of education. So, uh. At one point, Brooklyn was doing well in terms of like 
letters and numbers and writing mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Then mm-hmm. they make some changes within the teachers and then she progressed. Okay. So Lauren Hare, uh, my wife, being an educator, uh, she is, you know, she freaked out. I'm not going to say she freaked out, but she was like, no, nah, we don't want to do this anymore. Um, we want to try, try to find a better school. And then, of course, I got a little promotion, a little more money. She's like, okay, well, with the more money you make, we can you can afford this other school. So I said, all right. <laughs> so, women know how to spend your check, don't they? Hello, sir. <clears throat> hello. <laughs> She's like, oh, you gonna get some extra money? You gonna be doing that? So we can we can afford this. Ain't got to pay any car, no car payment anymore. Okay, bet the money you pay for the car, you can put it toward the school. I said, okay, <laughs> all right. So, <laughs> so um, she found a school, and and mind you, I, I anything around education, it's all in Lauren's hands. Like I trust mm-hmm. you, whatever you say, we're gonna do it. I trust everything you say <clears throat> regarding education. That's the field you work in. You are doctored in that field. Uh, so she found a school, and it's closer, I believe, and and it's a little more, um, for lack of a better words, affluent. So it's, mm-hmm. you know, uh, yeah. Uh, and it's you can more testify, ed- Reverend. It's all right. Go ahead. <laughs> and it's a little more educationally sound. So uh, first day she went in there, it was kind of tough for her because the teachers don't really know her. So they had like nap time and she was like, well, I'm not taking a nap. I'm like, I don't want to take a nap. Brooklyn doesn't really take naps. So I guess there was a little issue with the teacher and her not taking naps. So she started crying because she was like, mm. they mad at me because I won't take a nap, but I don't really take naps. You know what I'm saying? So that was one. So she's trying to get acclimated to the teachers. But then also all these looked around, all these kids are brand new. So she's like, I don't know none of these kids. Wrap so, me in some plastic and turn me loose. That's what Brooklyn is. <laughs> I don't know none of these kids, so <laughs> so, she, so it's today's day two for those we're listening probably day three, but day two um, right now as we're recording, mm-hmm. um, she's still just trying to get find her way. Uh, yeah. The thing about Brooklyn is she's full of personality. She's an extrovert. Once she figures it out at the school, she's gonna turn it out. Like yeah. it's gonna be her yeah. school. She everywhere she goes, she's the popular kid. She's the big personality. So once once. Uh, she gets to figure it out, and people figure out who she is and how she operates. Yeah, it's it's gonna be her school, and she's gonna love it. But um, I love uh, that. Yeah, so it's it's good stuff. Um, and there are black kids in there. I was a little nervous. Um, there were at least two black kids in there. One black girl, uh, who I, they all the kids today remember Brooklyn's name. They were like, hey, hey, Brooklyn, what's going on? Mm-hmm. So, uh, so there are other black kids there, which was important. Um, because we were nervous. Mm-hmm. I got a question. Yeah. I know this is a long ways away. Okay. And I know you're not typically this guy, but you're still a girl dad. Uh-huh. Me and Ash have had this conversation about our boys, so I'm going to ask mm-hmm. you real quick. Okay. And maybe this is the black ask a moment. I'm going to throw it to you. Okay. Unless you have one. No, no, I had one, but this might be a good one. Let's do this. Okay. <clears throat> Considering the neighborhood that you live mm-hmm. in, mm-hmm. how would you feel? Oh, yeah. I think if I Brooklyn brought a, a white boy home. I would not be happy. <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, being hundred percent truthfully honest, yeah. I would not be happy. And the funny thing, I had this conversation with my my nephews. I'm just um, saying, considering here. the percentages, yeah, right? Yeah, I, I get it. Yeah, I, I, I get it. I hundred percent get it. Um, so I'm gonna go back, make a long story. So me, and my, my nephews came to visit us. Oh, real man, wait a minute. That's why you said I can see it. That's 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 embossed cream yeah. on cream. It is. Cream I can cream. see it now. The the, the the light hit it. Okay. Look, see that? I liked it. Okay. Go yeah. ahead. Go ahead. Okay. You talk to your nephews. So my nephews came and they live mm-hmm. in Southern California. So mm-hmm. Southern California is diverse, but it's not black diverse. I and mean, we can say it like that. Uh, I didn't come. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't know it wasn't as lacking 
a lot of black people until I moved to Atlanta. And I was like, oh, there's niggas everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was asking my nephews, like, uh, I think something, something I said, my nephew might come and live with us. I said, just don't bring a white girl up in this house. I just don't. <laughs> he was like, well, why can't I bring a white girl? I was like, I was like, granted, I know the neighborhood we live in. It's likely. It's highly likely mm-hmm. you may mm-hmm. find a white girl, whatever I said, but yeah, I'm not going to be like, I'm happy that you're with <laughs> you a white I'm not going to be happy for you. <laughs> I, I'm not going to be happy. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, in no disrespect to white folks, you know, no disrespect, but my thing is like, one, you're going to have to deal with um, just the her family's issues. Some, you know, unconscious bias, unconscious uh, racism, stereotypes, you know, stuff like that. It's it's yeah. bound to happen. Yeah. You know what I'm yeah. saying? We live in the South. I don't care. Even if they are liberal whites, we know liberal whites have the tendency to be racist as well. You know what I mean? Like, so, you know what I mean? Like, you, you know. It's you true, know. yeah. So, so that's my thing. So, to answer the question regarding Brooklyn, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be happy, right? Uh, because I know she, again, she'd be putting herself in potentially dangerous positions in terms of, sure. you know, having to, you know, either assimilate or, uh, you know, try to uh, appease people. You know, granted, with, with any relationship, you kind of got to, you know, make your in-laws or future in-laws or parents of your uh, significant others, make them like you. But I feel like yeah. there's another layer of not only you have to like me, but you have to also accept me as a person of color in that situation. <coughs> so it wouldn't be shocking. It wouldn't be shocking yeah. that, she, you know, she comes up, you know, and – and is attracted to yeah, um, yeah. A, a person of another culture, especially the fact that like all she sees is in, in daily life, mom, dad, aunts, uncles, friends, all black. So then you see a person who don't look like you. It's like, oh, I'm interested in you because you don't look like me. So yeah. I can see that I would have a um, I wouldn't be happy. I wouldn't be at Umar Johnson level, but I would prefer her to date a mm. black person. Um, because I just, un, you know, we have, it, it's just, you know, some things, things don't have to be explained. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it is peace and black is. power, peace and black power. Yeah. So what about I you? You know, I'm not worried about Jaden as much. Okay. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not. I'm and not. I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jaden's that kid is pretty, you know, it's pretty. You know, you can kind of, kind of see the trajectory there. <laughs> Josh, don't know. Josh, you know, Josh, I will say, loves all body types. <laughs> <laughs> we will start and we will still say it that way to keep it PC. Mm-hmm. Josh also is the kid who's just like, you know, I like who I like. <laughs> and, you know, right now he goes to a school with, major- that school is majority black and Hispanic. Mm-hmm. So, Middle school, I think the couple of girls that he uh, then told us that he was his, you know, girlfriend, sixth grade, mm-hmm. both of them were black girls. Okay. Um, but there is a, there is, I mean, that school is literally, bro, about 50% black, 50% white, maybe 49, mm. 49 <laughs> with like mm. uh, 2% white or something there. Cause it's not a lot of white kids like that. Yeah. So he goes to the middle school that our former house was on to. 
mm-hmm. uh, for a number of reasons. That's where he started. And then the school that's down the street from us, we heard some interesting things about it. So it was mm-hmm. like, I mean, right. kids smoking weed in the bathroom oh. in the middle school. And I get it. It happens. But like, we want that bowl in middle school. And then like, <laughs> they, have metal, they have metal detectors all the time. And Jesus. I went to Hillcrest. We had metal detectors every now and then, too. <laughs> in middle school, though? But middle school. That's what I'm saying, too. That's what I'm saying. Like, if that, you know. But then McKeetra in the high is like. Then why people protect McKeetra. So yeah, so McKeetra I don't you know. So world, worldwide, no. You know what I'm saying? So I'm just trying to figure out what that, what that you know that that balance because that's where he's likely going to go. So McKeetra's is like is a is a public school, but it has like kind of like private school vibes because it's kind of so well known. I heard back in the day, McKeetra was actually a college. Oh okay, and that college would ever shut down and they convert, which is which makes sense because that campus is massive. Like yeah, they got three football fields, bro. I believe it. A practice field, which is a steal of 400 yards, and two main, like, stadium size. And, like, they got, like, pickleball. I mean, they got, like, they got fields. Mm. And it's completely rod iron gated. Like, it is. It makes sense that it probably was a small college back in the day. Right. But anyway, I feel like once he gets to McEachern, though, and, and Josh is a big personality. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I've ever said it on the show, but it's no secret. Josh is like clinically diagnosed ADHD. It's not a secret that Ash and I keep. Um, mm-hmm. And I say it that way because a lot of times black boys are diagnosed just because of hyperactivity. Right. Our son went through a series of testing. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, and and he is, right? And we, and we manage it. But because of that, he is super hyper. Although he's a big personality, right? Which sometimes can be a lot, right? As kids are going through puberty and all this different kind of stuff. And I right. just feel is what I know about white people. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there may be a level of acceptance and grab, you know, gravitation from mm-hmm. the white girls yeah. because of Josh's big personality. Mm-hmm. And he's and you're going to land where you feel most affirmed and comfortable. Yeah, that's so, you correct. Know, yeah. So I feel like <laughs> <laughs> I would not be surprised <laughs> when um, you know, that time comes to like officially start dating mm-hmm. if if the young lady's white. Um, yeah. I don't know how I'm going to like respond. Asha does have a white sister-in-law, I, so that's I something. Too. I do too. I understand. Yeah, so that's something. But I still think you know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I'm gonna say it like this. I the D and the D E and I and me would be like, okay, Josh, mm-hmm. the nigga from Memphis. <laughs> yeah. The one who mama told him, don't you bring nobody who can't use my comb, right? That's the kind of stuff my mama told me. <laughs> Robin. <laughs> That's what mama told me. If she, if, she can't, if she can't brush her hair like mine, she can't come in my house. <laughs> don't mm. bring no white girl. Her in, don't bring no white girl in my house. <laughs> so I know, my, mama, my mama just didn't want it. She didn't want it. She didn't. Right. And it, she didn't have many words because I went to Hillcrest, which was 99.8% black. <laughs> All of my schools were black, black. We lived in a black neighborhood. I didn't start co-mingling with white students until high school and I started doing a lot of extracurricular stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I'm not as hard as my mom and dad, but yeah, I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so <clears throat> and even within that, like, and I know, I know we're in an age where people are like saying like reverse discrimination type stuff. Ain't no and, such thing. No, it's, it's not, it's not, not to exist. the level. It's not, it's not. <laughs> you're right. Yeah. So, so my viewpoint on her preferring the, you know, uh, a black partner uh, is not have to do anything regarding as far as like racist stereotypes or anything like that. It's just the fact of like I just you understanding like black people already have it hard enough, right? Yes, so it's like comfort. Want, yeah, it's comfort. You don't want to ask something on there. And on top of that, too, is I believe in generational wealth and creation stuff like that, and I want to produce more affluent 
upper middle class, middle class black kids. You know black what I'm saying? Black, and, and and that's what I would prefer you to do. Like I would prefer and, you and, to. And that's hard. That. And and I know this isn't the show. We gonna this is still the intro, y'all. We gonna move, but. You know, there's another part of me too. Like, you know, if they do marry somebody of a different race, that's still a black baby. That's true. Because they're going to see them as a black child. That is true. Right. Um, it is very, um, you know, dark, uh, my niece, you know, she, she's a chocolate baby. Mm-hmm. Right. And we love that, which means that if she marries or dates a white person or whatever, that baby is going to look mixed. Right. It's very rare that that baby's going to look like passing. That could yeah. happen because genetics are genetics. Right. Yeah. Um, and even with my children, my children aren't light, light skinned. They are brown, like brown, brown boys. And Jada's yep. my, what I call, I call his, he gonna hate me for this. I call him Mook Dud, right? He's my little chocolate drop, my kid. <laughs> and so again, if he does, you know, it's gonna, that baby's gonna look mixed race. So the mm-hmm. world is gonna still treat them as That's black true. people. But yeah. I get, but I, but as a black man, I still fully understand mm-hmm. what you are saying in terms of, you know, we want to, <laughs> Hundred percent black. <laughs> no, I just, I get what you're saying, Reverend. I get what I, you're saying. I, you know, you know. I get it. I get that's it. Just, that's just what I want. I want to continue to, to, and, and it goes within, you know, our topic of the living room. You know, the mm-hmm. building of a community mm-hmm. um, that uh, you know progresses and continues to look, you know, a certain. Anyway. Yeah, and this is not a colorism conversation for y'all. No, right? no, no, like, no, not at all. We, we understand that based on the diaspora, like the shades of black, can still come in. Many different shades, whether you're mixed yeah. race, whether you're, you know, two black parents or not. I think what me and Brian are saying is that we just want the the cultural competencies mm-hmm. and comfortability that comes with being with a black partner, right? Some stuff yeah. you ain't got to explain. Some stuff you don't, you don't have, have to, to you don't have to you don't have to deal with in, when that's the case, right? And there's just a certain level of affirmation and community that comes yeah. with being around and being in a relationship with people that look like you. So Amen. That's great. <laughs> song of the week <laughs> <laughs> thank you <laughs> song of the week all right yes. so it's it's uh i'm just gonna stay within theme okay uh and that's you're within theme it. right there that you're staying within theme staying within them you're gonna enjoy it okay um this is one of your favorite songs oh one of your favorite albums oh okay let's do it um uh, yes i want to recognize that i'm an artist to the studio version no, the uh, clone version. I just played at oh. the end of the uh, the song. Eric about to do so great. She's so good. Paul and Tyrone. You hear that vibrato? That's so good. <laughs> See why can't we be by ourselves? Sometimes. Sometimes. See, I've been having this on my mind for a long time. I just wanted to be you and me like it is. To be, baby, but you don't know how to act. No matter of fact, I think you better. Call and tell him, come on, help you get you. 
Listen to that bass. It's so good. <laughs> And she sings, yo. She sings. She's a singer. Have you heard this before? When you met her, she ain't even have a whip. I, I haven't heard this. Up the street the other day. I that's to you and I, I the other way. 20, Tyrone 2021. Featuring let, me, let me find that. It's that? off his featuring Ty Dolla Sign album. It's pretty good. It's like he's talking in Tyrone's defense. Mm. <laughs> um, but no, Erica Badu, bro, can you imagine, though, being in that audience when she, re- like, I'm going to test this out on y'all. Oh, yeah. And the, bro, yeah. I would have, like, that's that's one of those songs you immediately just kind of, it's like when the praise, this is going to sound bad. It's like when the praise <laughs> was team introduce a new song. Yeah. And at first you're like, okay, but then you didn't then enjoy hit. And y'all just, because, like, that chorus is so, you know, yeah. and then she tells a story. Like mm-hmm. you know, it, uh, it brings it just immediately brings yeah. you in. It's and a perfect song. It's a great song, and then it yeah. turned into a commercial hit for it. It was just ugh. yeah. I first off a nigga named Tyrone because the song wasn't about Tyrone. It was about the nigga who remained nameless. That's so good, bro. <laughs> but it's really not about Tyrone, right? It's really not about Tyrone. It's about the dude she with. But Tyrone gets all the slack. Yeah, <laughs> like. <laughs> Ty- <clears throat> Yeah, Tyrone. That's so. We need an episode about that—the redemption <laughs> of Tyrone because he yes. didn't deserve that. Tyrone is just a friend. He was just a he was just a friend that you came and picked up his boy. It was like I don't want to be in it. You my homie. I'm about to let's move out. But also, let's did Tyrone out. lack <clears throat> self awareness because he was there always mooching off of your homeboy's girl? Like you know, maybe. So she you know, said, "You got to bring Jim, James, Paul, and Tyrone." Yeah, because <laughs> well, Tyrone maybe was part of the problem. Maybe Tyrone wasn't as innocent as we believe. Maybe, but that's the episode, though. That's the episode. She said because since you want to be with him all the time, call him to come pick you up. <laughs> all right, let's move on to this show. Let's go, Brian. Are you ready? Because we're thirty minutes in and we ain't even touched that. We ain't even walked in the living room. Let's go to let's go to the blessed report and talk about some black excellence. All right, let's do it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are here at the Blessing Report where we shout out black folks doing great black things. And as always, we do patronize and support black folks 365, 24-7. This week for the Blessing Report, we have Shadow Tequila, Teddy Jasper, the CEO, and Tiara Jasper, the president. As you can tell, uh, they have the same last name. They are actually... Uh, siblings, okay, with a mission uh, which is to cultivate an inclusive community of spirit enthusiasts by crafting an exceptional, exceptional, excuse me, unforgettable tequila experience that transcends boundaries, shatters expectations, and invites every individual to embrace their own audacious spirit. Uh, Shadow Tequila is an emerging Black-owned spirit, serves as a bold symbol of representation in the Mm -hmm. tequila industry, uh, with the marketplace is largely monopolized by celebrity-endorsed brands and corporate giants. They kind of throwing shots at Casamigos right there. Uh, I mean, a lot of Terramana, Lobos, they showing shots at everybody. Yeah, everybody making tequila right now. Um, it's true. It's true. Yeah. Uh, underscoring the vital role of authenticity, diversity, and individuality in the world of spirits. So, uh, you can support them right now. Go to shadowtequila.com or follow them on IG at Shadow Tequila. Uh, again, black-owned tequila uh, company. I've I've actually switched over from other kind of drinks. The tequila is kind of like my main joint now. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. 
So uh, I'll <clears throat> definitely check out Shout Out Tequila. And can we pause and recognize that Jasper, Jasper. is a black last name? That it is. is. I don't name metal white Jasper nobody ever. Never. So shout out, Never. shout out to the Jaspers and shout out to Tequila. Um, if you want to sponsor us, we are we'll open listen. to that. We are. <laughs> I mean, we will drink tequila. We already drink tequila, so we might as well drink yours. Might as well add it to our arsenal. All Never right, mind. Brian. Did we lose any blacks? Not any black legends. We've lost a couple other. Sinead O'Connor and I asked uh, about blacks. Oh yeah, no, no black legends. No. <laughs> okay. Now I will say this: the Lord has been sending some of our white brothers and sisters on up out of here. Like, I mean, flying for up various out. reasons. Um, so prayers to the families of Pee Wee Herman. Did you say Sinead O'Connor, the yeah. gentleman who was in um, Euphoria? I can't. Yeah. I don't remember his name. I, I, I didn't. Know. I don't watch Euphoria. No, I think it was like Angus or something like that. It's Angus. a huge show. And from what I understand, yeah. he was a big part of it. So prayers to those families and um, the people who love them. Mm-hmm. But let's James Brown jig on down to the billboard. Aliens. Mm-hmm. Three military veterans testified in Congress about some UFOs, uh, mm-hmm. including an Air Force intelligence officer who claimed the U.S. government has operated a secret multi-decade reverse engineering program to re- um, that recovered the vessels. Y'all said that you has recovered non-human biologics from an alleged crash site. I'm gonna tell you this. Mm. When this news came out, Brian, uh-huh. let me tell you how the blacks didn't care. We was like, we still got <laughs> student loans. Inflation is still high. Right. And I just put gas ashcar yesterday. It's almost four dollars. <laughs> I don't care about these aliens. <laughs> what about what about these student loans that y'all are trying to start back payments on? What about this gas? What about these grocery bills? Right. I, I used to, when I first got married, I used to be able to spend a hundred dollars in grocery store and almost last about a week and a half. Mm. I spent a hundred dollars in grocery store a day. I didn't bought some juice. Reverend, food is expensive. It is. I used, be, I used to be able to go do a taco night, bro. Like we're gonna do some cheap, quick. $20. Mm-hmm. At $20, $25, I'll do the whole taco night for all four of us. Remember, I go do taco night now. It's like a $50 bill. Now, granted, because I eat out every now and then, buying food, to me, groceries is still cheaper than buying going out to eat yeah. because of the how much food I'm able to prepare, yeah. all that different kind of stuff. It's, it still is cheaper for a family of four years. Yeah. You know, for maybe for a single person, you're seeing it probably balances out. But for a family of four, I could buy a pack of chicken wings for $20. I'm trying to think of something cheap. Two bags of frozen green beans and a bag of potatoes, mm-hmm. and maybe spend thirty, forty dollars. If yeah. I get a chicken plate for everybody in my house, that's twenty dollars per plate, likely. Yeah, right. That's eighty bucks. Mm-hmm. Drinks three dollars a piece. You know what I'm saying? Say we get a, a salad before the meal. Man, we didn't spend one hundred twenty dollars <throat> on the same meal that I could get at home. I say I like to say, you do do what you want with them aliens. Figure out how to make my life easier as an American citizen. Mm-hmm. That's not what I care about, Brian. Do you do? You, what would you do? If you like came up on an alien, I mean, do you care about the aliens? I don't, I don't, I, I don't. <laughs> Only if they are, are black, about like black liberation and they're on our side, you know. Oh, yeah, other than that, don't nobody care. Oh, no, I, yeah, we can live like Avatar, right? Just be with Zoe Saldana and them, and just well, you know, is <laughs> where, where you are less ghetto. If that's the case, then bring all of us blacks. They probably ghetto. think we ghetto, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Because like, if they have the intelligence to fly across, um, like light speed travel and all to get to different what is it is it universes what is up there yeah i guess the universe galaxy i guess galaxy yeah. that's what i was looking for if they have the intelligence to fly across galaxies to get to us and they see how we live mm-hmm. they probably like 
we don't want to send us back. <laughs> we crashed by mistake, y'all. Send us back. It's the right. this is the hood to them. I am mm-hmm. sure Earth is the ghetto, especially America. You landed in America <laughs> of all the places to land. This is where you came. Mighty God. Anyway, <laughs> we've been talking about the blacks a lot today, and. Yeah. We gonna in sync bye 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 to something that the blacks loved, and that is Dodge Chrysler three hundred, the Dodge Charger, and the Challenger. If if the the three hundred Charger and Challenger was equivalent to like the the Cutlass back in the day, <laughs> blacks loved a Charger, Challenger, and Chrysler three hundred. You remember every pastor had them? Because they thought they was that was that was their Bentley. Yeah, that was they, they Bentley. They thought that they was Bentley, like because they couldn't afford no Bentley, so they got that three hundred. Actually, three hundred had a choke hold on the pastors here in Atlanta. Then it, pastors in America, black Negro pastors <laughs> in America, the young blacks was doing the Chargers. The Challengers was the younger blacks. The blacks with a little bit more money. Mm-hmm. But as of July thirty first, Dodge said no more. So now they're going to be at the American Car Care Centers. They're mm-hmm. going to be at all. <laughs> And all, what's the other one? Oh, what's what's the one with the, the drive times? Drive they finna, time. they, they finna be full of because they don't, they're no longer in existence. So their value, like cars, are already one of the biggest depreciating assets that you can buy. Mm-hmm. But they are about to plummet mm-hmm. in value because you can't, you can't, you can't buy anymore, mm-hmm. right? So parts are finna be scarce. All those different times of things. Um, according to Dodge CEO Tim, mm-hmm, him. Tim, mm-hmm. the company is transitioning to electric vehicles. Although the Hellcat model was successful, the company feels that they can have a better carbon footprint. And then, you know, and and and, and they was getting broken to a lot too. Yeah, yeah. They was getting stole a lot of time and busted up, especially in the Buckhead area, which is the ghetto. Mm-hmm. Um, Buckhead has turned into the ghetto. Um, so the Chargers and Chandler Brian, did you? Did you? I used to want a Charger. So I was a stereotypical black in that way. I wanted a charger so bad. And I wanted that big body joint before they changed the model. I, oh. <laughs> that's the one that I wanted, Reverend. I, 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 I like muscle cars. I really want a muscle car, but I kind of want an old, older school muscle car. But mm-hmm. I, I think that uh, the the uh, the muscle cars were, I like them. Uh, they were nice. Damn. They were sleek. They were, you know, Fast, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's a beautiful. It was a. Well, I ain't really care for that big body three hundred. And you, y'all can. Oh have no, it. oh no. I, I, <laughs> I ain't want that big body. I, I'm not old enough to drive one of them. But uh, that charging challenger, though, those things were beautifully made. Mm-hmm. They were beautiful, and what I understand, they were also like well made. They were terrible on gas. Yeah, but they were well made cars. Anyway, Quavo. Speaking of grieving, Quavo and Takeoff share their hearts. Um, on Monday during the interview on Wake Up with Angelie, Offset um, said, I am unhealed. I'm being honest. I lost my brother. Uh, I'm not healed. I'm not good. And this don't help nothing. We stars, we be thinking it's just cool, but I'm a real grown man. I cry every day about this. And at some point, it Fs me up every single day. Um, then another conversation with fans on YouTube. Quavo opened up on his loss of his nephew. I miss him a lot. I love him. Um, he know I loved him. He just goes on and goes on and goes on about how he loved um, his love for takeoff. So Quavo shares his heart about takeoff. And, you know, was it was it earlier this year when he passed or was that late last year sometime? Uh, I don't know. I think it was. I know, I know it's, been, it's been a little minute, but either way, it was very shocking to the rap game. 
um to the celebrity community um takeoff was the quiet one the one in the mm-hmm. background the best amigos we've said it several oh, single times yes. um on on this several times on this here podcast show and it was it was just a huge loss huge loss to the rap community um huge loss to um the the amigos in general we know that they were having their issues um considering quavo and takeoff did their own separate album Yep, I have loved that Quavo and Offset, however, have seemingly started to reconcile. Dude, Offset has a new song, by the way, with his wife. Okay, That's Cardi good. B. It's called Jealousy. It there is a interpolation of a three six mafia track. Okay, it is good, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say this: Offset raps well on the song. He does his thing. Okay, Cardi B snaps though. Oh, remember last week we was talking about how she delivers. She does. She, she, bro, she was FedEx on this song. She <laughs> delivered. She snapped, bro. I, mm. I mean, she gave Offset a run for his money on his song. It, I believe it. She might not have wrote now, Nan, not even a comma on that verse, but she, she gave it to the girls. I mean, it was so good. It was so good. So, oh, quick question. I saw yeah. this on my little sister's timeline. Um, but prayers, continue prayers up for Quavo offset and all because grieving is a process. It never ends. You just kind of get a little bit stronger. Um, so they had a picture, and this is all hypothetical. Going back to women's rap. Okay. It was Nikki, Cardi, Lotto, Ice Spice, and JT, mm-hmm. and Megan Thee Stallion. Mm-hmm. The question was, if all six of them we're on a song together in a hypothetical world, of course. Let's just say this ladies' mm-hmm. night thing that we've been talking about before. Yes. Rank the best verse from one to six. <laughs> I think the best verse will probably be Cardi, only because she just delivers verses. Mm-hmm. Um, Nikki second, but really close. Um, okay. Because I think she's going to do a lot of punchline, but she's also going to throw hella shade. And it's gonna be uncomfortable, but good. So she's gonna bring mm-hmm. her best. Oh, so it might, Nikki might be the best because she might bring out her big guns. Especially if she's on there with all of them. Yeah. So I'll say Nikki might be one. Cardi maybe two. I think Meg is just who are the other other options before I say Ice Meg? Spice, Lotto, and JT. Megan, JT because JT can deliver verse too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then. Uh, Oof, I don't know. I don't really know a lot of Ice Spice and Lotto's music. Uh, Ice Spice is last. Yeah. Uh, so I would put, <laughs> yes, I, in that case, I would put Lotto then then um, Ice Spice. I'm with you. I feel like Megan is a solid three. Yeah. I feel like, and that's not because she can't rap. I just think in terms of like the verse, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I think it's gonna be a toss up between Cardi and Nicki for no for number one because I think they both gonna pull out their big guns. Yeah. Especially if they know that they on there. Hmm. I might give Nikki the edge only because, like you said, she going to snap knowing that yeah. she's on the record with all five of these women. Mm-hmm. She's going to throw so much shade. But she also is one of the only rappers in that category who can switch up her style and flow mm-hmm. within the same verse. She's done yeah. it so many times. She's going to go from Roman. She's going to start rapping yeah. fast. She's going to go slow. She can jump off the beat. Like She she might sing in the middle. She's going to give us a range. And I also feel mm-hmm. like you said, she's going to give us some good punchlines like some yeah. I feel like she might get into her monster bag mm-hmm. punchlines for, for that song I just thought it was interesting and it wasn't a comparison it was just like who do you think like how do you think the song would flow how do you think it would be and you know I think th- I, I really wish a lot of the rap women mainly Nikki 
could get along better because minus Ice Spice, who I'm really not a huge fan of, I really feel like, bro, if they got on a track together and did like a tour or something, imagine a Cardi Nikki headlining tour. Bro, mm. that thing would be wild. Yeah. A Cardi Nikki collab album. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like Jay Z, Kanye type stuff. Bro, it would, they could literally kill the game in the same way that some of these men have. It's just that. This little stuff, you know what I'm saying, is out there that's <clears throat> preventing yeah. us from getting what I think the fans are missing out the most. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. <laughs> I, I, I can just only imagine that if I was a single man and that was a tour, imagine going to that concert and all the ladies there. Like, that would be like a treasure trove of just opportunity. First, you get to hear good music, and then you hear with all these women who are having like this great evening. Uh, I think it would be empowering to a, to a, to a large degree. Uh, I feel like, you know, it's weird. Like it's it's weird because you feel like men are always on some bull, but like in hip and mm-hmm. in, in women's rap, it's always on some bull. Like, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and it's I don't know, I don't know, man. I love it, and I I just really wish that because it seems like some of the the issues that exist, you know, is ang- is not legitimate beef. It seems mm-hmm. like it could be, you know, with 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 leveled heads and maybe a licensed professional. <laughs> It yeah. could all be, and maybe not even like professional level heads and a little bit of maturity. It could <laughs> yeah. all be settled, and Bro, I feel like it, we just des- we deserve that as fans, right? Make it a TV show. Bring it on. No, no, Brian. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no. You leave Miss Van Zant to exactly where she is, <clears throat> wherever she for, is. We're praying for her. Wherever, wherever, wherever she is, you leave Miss Van Zant where she is. Mm. When she had. Somebody talking to Harriet Tubman's picture. That was funny. I said, this show is unhinged. This <laughs> is unhinged. <laughs> Speaking of unhinged, we are going to talk about what we consider an oh, instant. Instant classic, freaking classic. classic. Movie. If you follow me on the Instagram and the threads, you know, after I watched the Tyrone, they cloned him. I couldn't let it loose. And I was convincing my friends I need to watch it. My other friend, Chris, my, I was skeptical because of blah, blah, blah. Shut up. This movie was amazing. <laughs> it, on so many it's, it is amazing. And, and, and part of me gets the skepticism because Netflix movies do be hit or miss. Netflix mm-hmm. originals. Yeah. And granted, uh, what's his name? Jamie Foxx have had some interesting movies. Mm-hmm. And this was a hood sci-fi. Let me go it, yes, yes. But it was a, it wasn't like a low budget hood sci-fi. It's just hood in the sense that it really talked to some really, really black themes. Mm. Um, but it was so, 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 so well done. But anyway, yeah. we're gonna drop it right there. So grab your snacks, grab your popcorn, grab your Mike and Ike's, your milk dogs, whatever it is you like at the movies. Meet us in the room and let's have this good conversation about they cloned Tyrone. Let's do it. <clears throat> All right, Puzzle Pieces, thank you for sticking around for the living room. And we are super excited. Um, I, uh, Josh and I literally said we got to stop everything we're doing. I don't care what other topic we may want to talk about, but we had to discuss uh, the clone Tyrone. And I know it's kind of somewhat new, so there are spoiler alerts. alerts. But (laughs) I'm telling you right now, if you haven't seen this, stop right now. Go watch it. Pick the episode back up. Uh, because mm-hmm, it's something mm-hmm. to talk about, and um, and I'm trying to figure out how we're going to do this because we can literally go from scene one to the end, <sighs> and every single scene is legitimately 
um, meticulous. I don't know who was the director of this thing. Like who? who directed I don't know. But let me, let me research this real quick. Go ahead, keep talking. I got I'm gonna you. talk about the cast first. For, for starters, the cast was John Boyega. Uh, yes. You've seen him. Uh, he's British, right? Yeah, he's a British actor, but he loves black culture. He loves black people. It's interesting how uh, British actors really love black culture. But John Boyega, uh, he also the person to say he only would date uh, black women. He don't really mess with anything else. Shout out to you, John Boyega. Uh, um, Jewel uh, Taylor. Jewel Taylor. I don't know if you're familiar with Jewel Taylor. He's a black man. Okay. Um, Tiana. He was born in Tuskegee. He black, black. Oh, he black, black. Oh, he directed Creed 2 and Transformers, Rise of the Beast. Hmm. It's a pretty solid resume there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we had for John Boyega, Tiana Paris, uh, and Jamie Foxx for the stars of this movie. So those mm-hmm. of you all familiar Tiana, Tiana has been in some great things. Uh, mm-hmm. She was one of our favorite shows that they canceled a little prematurely. Um, what was it? Uh, the Basketball Star. Uh, oh, uh, uh, Survivor's Remorse. Survivor's Remorse, yep. She's been on some other things. She's uh, in the Marvel movies and stuff like that. So she's dope. And then, of course, there's Jamie Foxx, who ironically people thought that he was cloned after he just got sick and then he <laughs> came back. So, yeah. <clears throat> um, so oh, I don't, how do we want to do this? So basically... It, it breaks down for the quick synopsis. Then we kind of break it down a little further. Okay. Uh, quick synopsis. John Boyega. Uh, he is uh, the the main character. Gets gunned down. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, he wakes up like as if he had like a terrible dream. Goes about living his daily life, and then runs into Jamie Fox and Tiana Paris, who's like, "Hey." We saw you get murdered. What are you doing here? And then the movie at that point kind of just goes on a wild roller coaster. Not really wild, but on a great roller coaster from start to finish, kind of breaking down black culture, mind control, staples in the black community, all that kind of stuff, ultimately kind of ending up with us Mm -hmm. really speaking to what is actually happening in the world today. Yes. (laughs) Um, and let's first go with, let's see what place we can kind of start off with. What was your first thought after, what was your first thoughts when the credits started rolling? In the, the beginning credits, opening credits? Ending credits. Ending credits. Mm-hmm. Oh, when it was all said and done, Reverend. Yes. I sat there for <laughs> a minute and was like, oh my, cause here's the other thing. <clears throat> let's, let's, let's fast forward. Maybe. Three minutes before the ending credits, when they okay. went to your home state of California, they did, uh huh. And we actually see Tyrone. Yes, because here's the thing: mm-hmm. the movie's called "Who Cloned Tyrone." Yes, but the the the, the main character, his uh, he was um, Fontaine. what was his name? Fontaine. Fontaine. Yes, Fontaine was his character, which was, name. which was confusing. <clears throat> which was confusing. We get to the end, mm-hmm. and we actually see Tyrone. Yeah. So, I'm gonna I'm go. I'm gonna go a little bit further back well, to go to answer your question. So <laughs> I'm wondering because you know they meet the the actual Tyrone, yes, which was an older gentleman. Let me know how long has he been doing this? Exactly, <laughs> has yeah. he been doing this? Because this man had aged, so he cloned himself at a particular point in time. Yeah. So did he clone? So was Tyrone the original clone? And Fontaine is what we singing, you and know, Glenn and Glenn. What's, what state was Glenn in? I don't know. I, I, okay. I, had, I, had, I had concerns about 
what time period we were in mm-hmm. and then also what it state seemed we were in. kind of modern but it could have been older because Jamie Foxx character was real given 70s pimp but yeah. everybody around was given more like 90s early 2000s yeah, yeah 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 and I get it pimps be stuck in time because we all got that uncle <laughs> um so I get it I get it <laughs> um so but I, but it made me wonder wait a minute if the movie's based on Tyrone I wonder that like a you know you know Jordan Peele type stuff yeah if if Tyrone was the original clone mm-hmm. and then Fontaine because remember they said we have operations all over the place yeah so maybe Glenn was just the area where the operation broke down and that's where the yeah. movie took place but mm-hmm. it started maybe in Cali yeah right and then it just kind of you know snowballed into these other spaces so yeah. I will say I sat with because after that I was like wait a minute <laughs> this is this Tyrone and then everybody looking at his homie on the screen and looking at uh-huh. him <laughs> so initially, bro, I sat there and was like, "What did I just watch?" Oh. But but in a fanatical sense, though, not yeah. in a "What did I just watch?" Almost like when I finished watching, um, um, praise him, um, on Peacock, oh. the the, the oh. Chloe. <laughs> Even I finished watching that, I was like, "What did I just watch?" This was oh my god! This was more like a "Oh my god!" What oh my god! Watch, and it was one of those immediately. So I need to watch this again because I know mm-hmm. in my heart of hearts, I missed something. Oh yeah, I know oh, yeah. I ain't seen something. I know it was something that skipped over my brain, and I was paying. You know, in the world of current technology, we be on our phones, especially at home. Yeah, we be on our phones watching movies, maybe texting, maybe something. In the movie theater, I'm less likely to do it because of the light and all that kind of stuff, and not trying to be a distraction to other people. Um, but yeah, so I was so. I'm gonna tell you. Let me let me go, let me go a little bit further back, and then I'm properly answer your question officially. Mm-hmm. After Fontaine got shot and he came back and Jamie Foxx realized that he was dead, like mm-hmm. that, it was confirmed he was dead. That's when I put my phone down. The rest of that movie, I said, "Nope, I ain't. <laughs> I can't. I, I can't afford to miss nothing else. I can't afford because yeah. it's already because you know the movie was filmed in a, in, in like dark lighting. Yeah. So you know I already had to like cut my lights off to make sure I'm not missing little mm-hmm. stuff in the scenes. Um. So anyway, I put that joint down. So I was like tuned in, bro, for. Mm-hmm those two hours and i was just sitting there in awe about all the the symbolism all the allegory all it was everything you learn in like a if you paid attention in english literature yeah all those things in literature allegory man versus man man versus himself um uh, all the symbolism all the uh, alliteration metaphor similes everything every oh, analogy everything. it was it was in there and it was so filled with black culture, there were so many references to other movies. There were so many hidden hidden themes. Um, mm-hmm. Even the old man sitting outside, like yeah. you know how we, huh, he's like the drunken sage who yeah. is kind of in tune with everything that's going on. Yeah. But probably never got cloned because he wasn't seen as valuable. <laughs> yeah. So what? Because even Fontaine being a drug dealer, right? According to what they were doing, he was necessary. Yeah. You probably can find another drunk anywhere. Mm-hmm. But what they missed in the moment was a lot of times. So we had a family. We have a family friend who was a, I mean, crackhead. Mm. Came and fixed our water um, thing in our attic. And my daddy said, mm-hmm. when he went up there and they lit that pilot, something in him. <laughs> he said, you know, he saw that fire. He was like, oh, he needed a hit right there because it just right. But when I tell you that man knew that Bible back and forth and had mm. so much intelligence, he could literally yeah. build you a house, bro, from the ground. Like that's how literally. he was a former architect. Mm-hmm. And like, so he was smart. He just got caught up in that life, right? Yeah. So yeah. say that to say a lot of time, but we see them, we see people in their current state and we dismiss them. And if you don't know them, right, you don't mm-hmm. understand their value. I feel like that's exactly what that drunk man was. 
He was always on the outside begging for liquor, begging for money. So the powers that be probably didn't see him as an asset. But he yeah. was the one, like, I remember the, I remember when he got cloned for, like, the third time. He was like, mm, smell like new money. Smell yeah. like a new, whatever he said. Like, he knew. Like a brand new car. He did, yeah, whatever, yeah, yeah. whatever it was. He knew. He knew. Right? So there was so many, <laughs> there was so many things. So at the end of Rob, I was just in awe. Um, and again, going back to our, our first point, it was a hood classic, but so well done, yeah. especially for it to have been a Netflix film. And it became, in my opinion, an instant black classic. I mean, yeah. instant black classic, bro. Yeah. yeah. And to me, it's, it's one of those movies that I think every black person needs to watch. Yes. Every black person needs to watch this. Like on so many levels, uh, one, we can kind of deal with the point of, <sighs> one, I'm going to go with the point of, we're in Glen, but then Tyrone is in LA, mm-hmm. and it's literally this. There's a hood, and it's the same hood every single place you go. And I feel like Glen, Glen was giving me Midwest Southern or Southern vibes. Yeah, one of the two. Yeah, like a Illinois, maybe Tennessee, Arkansas, somewhere, in somewhere the there. <clears throat> yeah, and it's the same thing <clears throat> everywhere. There's a yeah. liquor store. What? Go for it. I'm just going to say. I'm thinking. She said, "I want to go to Memphis." Mm. And I and if you think about a lot of older films, color purple stuff like that, you know, I love my city. But based on where Memphis is located, a lot of people in the Mississippi, Arkansas area, Alabama, mm-hmm. they look to Memphis as the next big city. Mm-hmm. So I wonder, right, if they were leaving like a Mississippi-ish area, yeah, to go up to what they thought was the big, which again makes me think about what time period were we in? Yeah, hold on, you know Let's what I'm saying? <laughs> Where were the Tuskegee? Not the, yeah, the Tuskegee experience was Alabama. Alabama. Right? Uh, so I can see, like you said, yeah, being in the Alabama, Mississippi area, probably more like that's referenced a lot in movies. Like I mean, I remember reading a book in elementary called "The Road to Memphis" or something like that. Like Memphis yeah. was that stopping point for people in terms of we going to the next big town. Yeah, and I think it was a car ride too because she was saying like I just need fifty dollars or whatever so I can get. Yes. To so it was like yeah. so it was so many unknowns in yeah. terms of timing, but yes, go ahead, go ahead. And it had to be a, a and it had to be like a Mississippi type place. No shade to Mississippi. Yeah, but in terms of being one of the last places in terms of education and economy and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. What better place to do this social experiment than oh, in yeah. Mississippi? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, what better place? It couldn't, it couldn't ride in some, in some other places. But um, yeah. So I, I wrote a couple of notes, and okay. the first note I wrote was mind control, right? And mm-hmm. they were doing experiments, and they used different products and staples in our community. So uh, the chicken was all of a sudden they started laughing when they were eating the chicken. Um, when they when they had the perm perm kits, the perm kits. The theme was straighter because it's greater, or greater because it's straighter, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> and that was kind of like the woman when she had the, she was first, she was upset about things and trying to figure out life and wanted to do better. And then when she got the creamy crack in her head, then she was like, I'm just tripping. I'm, everything's fine. Uh, then the other product was the, which sadly was the communion juice mm-hmm. at, at the church. Mm-hmm. Another staple in, in the, the black community. Yeah. Um, what else was it? The chicken with the grape juice, the music at the club, the music. music. Yep. At the club. Uh, and you know, so it was interesting that in, we hear it all the time and we, you know, a lot of our, you know, hoteperies, uh, they usually condemn music, you know, hair products, fast fried food. chicken, fast yeah, food. All that. 
and and organized religion, especially Christianity. Oh yeah, for and sure. I, and I found it interesting that those are the like the four areas mm-hmm. that I guess contributed to uh, black uh, decline. Or I'm trying to think what words I want to use as far as within this within Glenn. They used it to to perpetuate the stereotypes and continue the cycle of uh, of black folks not really achieving anything uh, by using those four areas. What are your thoughts on that? No, I think it's true. Like, because it was the white substance on like the chicken or something and it made everybody laugh like they were getting high. Mm -hmm. And so I believe, I I think it's true because I mean, on one end, fast food is a, it has all the additives and preservatives and it does make it addicting in the sense that you want it. Yeah. On the other part of that, I think fast food, especially think about the hood communities that you grew up in, in your hometown or even experience here in Atlanta. Right. Yeah. Um, Let's go Southwest Atlanta, where we yep. went to church. Uh-huh. What's, what was the restaurant? Church of Chicken, Popeyes. Yep. Were the two main restaurants, right? Fried chicken, cheap chicken, mm-hmm. yeah. accessible chicken, right? So, and 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 it was low key in a food desert. <clears throat> the yep. one Kroger that was over there was the Hood Kroger, mm-hmm. and then it was mm-hmm. like a Save a Lot, which is now a Planet Fitness. So you got people in the food desert, and all they can eat is chicken, right? So if mm-hmm. you wanted to poison our people, you put it in the things that's easily accessible and cheap that they have to eat, right? Um, and then, like you said, for church, like it's a, it's a, we would like for a lot of black people that is our therapy, that is our hospital, yeah. that is our community center. It is so many things. So there's a level of blind trust that we give yeah. church. And yeah. not to say, and I'm not, this is not me bashing the church, but I think a lot of people approach church as their, it is their source of refuge. Not right. necessarily Christ, the right. church. Yes. Right. Christ is our refuge. But I yes. think we lean on the church as this, which is why I think many times we're so critical of the church. Mm-hmm. And when they don't serve the community, because that's how we see it as, is our community center. It is our hope and healing center, right? Yeah. For all things human. Um, and then you think about music. How many people have always said the reason why people are doing, like they say that about John Morant. He yeah. he listened to that rap hanging out with them rappers. My money bag yo may rap about all this stuff, but he ain't doing it. Right. right. Um, and it's not to say that music does not influence, right? Right. Um, but it is to say that there are theories behind how people respond and act based on the type of music that they listen to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I think the other thing about hair, right? All the creamy crack products, and you know, that's yeah. why you know women are going this and natural and you know, doing all that kind of stuff. So I, I think I think they brought out Brian. And my thoughts around it is they brought out these kind of four main staples of what people mm-hmm. over the probably last decade or so have really leaned into that what they would say has plaguing the black community or has yeah. contributed to mm-hmm. right some of the the re, not necessarily regression but the lack of progression for yeah. the black community is because like if we would just and then and here's the thing mm-hmm. the whole tips would say with the hairpiece that that creamy crack stuff is messing you up. But in terms of assimilation, that's how they want us to look. Mm-hmm. So it's that balance of do we assimilate to the you know to what they want, right? But uh-huh. here's the thing: I think we're finding ways where we don't have to do that. So what's that happy medium where we can just be natural but just straighten our hair, yeah. right? Or wear the bust down weaves where it look like you know that's a protective style if you get it done right, right? So I think I think black people are learning. I think what this movie pointed out is that there these are the things in which. They say are harming us, but we have identified ways in which we can still do all of this yep. without it being causing harm to us. Yes. Um, for again, <clears throat> protective styles and weaves and stuff like that. If you want straight hair, you can just straighten your natural hair. You can do whatever you want without mm-hmm. without a um, uh, a chemical, right? It might not last as long, right? Because yep. of humidity and things like that, but you can do it. In terms of chicken, um, we ain't got to get the cheapest chicken, right? 
Yeah. If we want it, we can, I mean, fast food chicken is fast food chicken, but we can also fry chicken at home. I think the air fryers, all the things that's made some of these things more convenient for us. Yeah. Um, music. We have so many choices of music and black people have tapped into many different genres and styles. So the kill them, beat them up, you know, trap music doesn't have to be our only option. And then in terms of the church, churches have evolved. We talk about this all the time, right? Yep. So the traditional <clears throat> black church that we saw, right, the dance and the gyrate and all the other kind of stuff. It's yeah. not what most churches look like today. I mm-hmm. think this was, um, I struggle so much with this word, caricature yeah. of these experiences. Um, but it didn't make them any less true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to say that, though. Uh-huh. Right? <clears throat> it didn't make them any less true. But I do, I do think that it speaks to the larger issue of, are we really troubled by these things? Or are these things that society has kind of put a social lens on that says it's negative or that says it's bad. Because I know women in my family who still get their hair permed. Yeah. Right? I know uh-huh. folk who eat Popeyes and stuff weekly. Yeah. And there's and there, I'm, and I'm, and I'm talking about and I'm saying this to say I'm talking about these are successful people. Like people yeah. who are doing well. You know what I'm saying? I know people who listen to nothing but hip hop, gangster rap, trap music, right? Uh who and go and go to a traditional black church, right? So and they're doing yeah. well in their you know in their lives. So I don't know, bro, but I, but I, I I do see some of the validity in the points of how culture and media can use these things, though. Yes, to typecast our community. Yeah, and I agree. And I think the I think one of the things I realized was the elevated mind. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, so they, at moments, Fontaine had an elevated mind. Slick, I think it was his name it was his name Slick. Mm-hmm. David Foster had yeah. elevated mm-hmm. mind, um, and. Uh, and what was the, her name? What was her name? I can't remember what her name was. Uh, but yo yo, yes. At moments, they all had the elevated mind. So they were in moments where they probably should have been affected. They were like, they looking around like, oh, uh, uh-uh. uh, mm-hmm. this ain't this right. Ain't it. This ain't right. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like even within that, um, you can go back to a traditionally black church right now. Yep. And you would be like, oh, mm-mm. this mm-mm. ain't this ain't right. This ain't it. You can go to a club, right? Or better yet, you can listen to. Music, or I can listen to NWA every day, like I do, or Kill 'Em Up, Gangster Rap, MOP all the time. But I don't be like thinking, "Oh man, I go, I should go and kill somebody right now." Right? Um, we can have fried chicken. I have fried chicken republics and stuff like that. But we, but in our elevated mind says, "You know what? This chicken is great, but I should not have this chicken every single day." Right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, our wives can get their hair perm right now, but it's not going to take away their ideas or the thought process on what beauty standards look like and stuff like that. So I think what's interesting is the fact of like, they show these different areas, but when you have the elevated mind, the mind of, and for lack of better words, the woke mind, right? Bro. Like you can be in moments and situations and be like, Oh, okay. It, this is what it is, but it's not going to determine, um, you know, my outlook or my actions. However, I do feel like in some spaces for those that may be in, 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 terrible socioeconomic positions or situations and in certain neighborhoods when they don't see anything outside of that. Yeah. Right. Uh, and they have, and they have the hopelessness and this is my city. I've been in the city forever. I've never moved away. Then they Mm -hmm. may get stuck in those cycles Mm -hmm. of, Mm -hmm. you know, the traditional black church, uh, uh, food deserts and and poor eating habits, um, listening to music and then, you know, letting the music turn into real action and stuff like that. So I feel like it's it's weird because it, it's, it's possible. However, well, once you've seen things, been exposed to certain things, and I feel like you're a little less susceptible to some of the programming 
I feel like that um that the uh I guess the man, right? Yeah. tries to to um to uh I guess put on us. That makes but that brings sense. up a point. Remember after they left the club and they end up the the black people in the trance and chase them down yeah. and end up confronting the white dude. The remember you remember the moment he said if we pull y'all off the streets, there'll be a Starbucks on every corner. Yeah. So that subtle mention about gentrification, like going back to what you said, where mm. there's more exposure, right? Yeah. There's more power for the people in that community, right? Mm-hmm. Which, which me interpreted says that we want to, we don't want to, we don't want to change any of this for you, right. because we understand there's a certain level of control. We can, we'll give you a Popeyes, mm-hmm. well, and and this is nothing against Popeyes, because Brian know, Brian, what was Brian mm-hmm. knows my order. From college. Yeah. What was my order oh, yeah. after church? We go to church chicken, get two piece <laughs> chicken, uh, some slaw or taters uh, with a sprite. With a sprite, <laughs> and don't forget my jalapeno pepper. Yeah, jalapeno right? pepper, yeah. <laughs> you know, but it's, so it's not. And then when I was because Popeyes up the street and the calf when I was in college clothes, bro, I would get my mom. My, my mama told me. Mm-hmm. My mama told me. Uh-huh. You go to Popeyes, you get your ten piece family meal. Mm-hmm. And that's your snack. And that's you know, because the crabs are closed at like seven or eight, and sometimes yeah. the food was trash. She's like, but if you you buy yourself, Josh, you get a ten piece. That's that's food for two three days, right? So <clears throat> it's not the same. It's like eleven dollars too. Yeah, right. And back then, the model was cheaper than that. I can get a whole family yeah. meal, like two two large potatoes, biscuits, all kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but so it's not to say that fast food is bad. Uh, you know, it it, it it can cause some harm if you eat anything in excess can cause harm, right? But what it is to say that we can give you these things. And we'll mm-hmm. and we'll teach you lessons and allow you to figure out like routines and things of how to survive solely on this. But yeah. the moment we expose you to more, right? And the yeah. reason my mama gave me that because she understood the confinements of my living situation. I ain't had no car. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I ain't have a lot of money, right? So you so again, you do what you gotta do to survive. And but that was because I was a college student. Once I got a car and whatever, whatever, of course, my option. And I didn't grow up like that. I grew up with more resources and exposure to different things. But yeah. imagine if that was the way I lived freshman year was my life, my whole life. That's yeah. all I know, bro. Yeah. I, I, all I know is fried chicken for dinner every night. All I know mm-hmm. is, or not even fried chicken for dinner every night. This is my going out to eat. This is my luxury. This is my mm-hmm. point of enjoyment. And the moment that we give you more, right? It doesn't mean that you throw where you come from in the garbage. I think that's where a lot of people say you forget where you come from. I still yeah. know where I come from. Oh, I still like God. a lot of the hood things, right? However, exposing me to more allows me to also understand that, like, instead of getting the chicken tenders at at at, at, at churches, Guthrie's, mm. raising canes, mm-hmm. there's some chicken, there's some chicken tenders, right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, and, and then you you just get it becomes a more elevated experience. I might have been eating McDonald's all my life, but the moment I had Five Guys. Yeah. Right now, that's a burger, right? Yeah. And for a fast food burger, that's a great burger. Then yeah. you, you keep elevating, you keep elevating. So in, anyway, my point is, is that exposure opens you up so much more, and it allows you the possibilities of what's there. And mm-hmm. in this movie, I think it showed us is that we want to make. I think the cloning was the duplication of keeping this space the way it is. Yeah, if we take this kingpin out, we mm-hmm. take this pimp out, we take yeah. this this whole this prostitute out, right? What is, what does this missing variable mean to the continuation of this neighborhood? Because yeah. without this drug dealer, there's less drugs on the street. Yeah. Without this pimp, right, there's less prostitution happening on the street. So we mm-hmm. can't let her go to Memphis. We can't let this person do this. We can't let that person do that. And here's yep. the other thing. Mm-hmm. Yo-Yo was the only one that wasn't controlled. Yeah. Remember, she wasn't a clone. Oh, so it makes me think, ooh, ooh. Gender mm-hmm. conversation. The same way they viewed the drunk man, did they devalue her as a prostitute in the same way? 
because they mm. didn't see the need to clone her. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, you know, so so to that point, I do think exposure exposure does breed a different level of I don't want to say success, but access. And yeah. they made that very known, mm-hmm. very known in the film, very right. known in the film. And, and to your point about Yo Yo, that when we visited her grandma's house, she had dreams and aspirations and goals, but something happened to where she wanted to go, but her city whatever kept her in this space yeah she got stuck uh, in, for some reason for some reason uh mm-hmm. one thing i also noticed was interesting we talked about this earlier uh, they only cloned influential people and it was negatively influential yes. so i know you hear all the time people talk about well, they're gonna make this kind of music because you know uh it it sells but also because they want this kind of vibe to be put into the atmosphere and all that kind of stuff um you know, they'll celebrate certain things because one, but once you kind of break the mold and do something outside, then that's going to become kind of um, um, attack uh, of, of different people. So that was kind of interesting. Um, a, a, a phrase that was said mm-hmm. uh, by original Tyrone, which I don't know what his name was, uh, but he said assimilation is better than annihilation. Woo! That, that was, was a lie. Yeah. Said assimilation is, is better it? than annihilation, but is it exactly? That was my question. And it is takes it me better? to the um, Black Panther, mm-hmm. Killmonger. Yeah, when he said, "I'd rather be thrown in the ocean," mm-hmm. you know that whole line about one rather be with his ancestors than to. And I don't think I don't know if I'm in a space where I'd be like, "I just I'd rather die." <laughs> right. But it, but it takes me to even though we say it in jest. When you mm-hmm. ask me, Josh, what would you do if you woke up white? And I'd be like, I would. Cr-. So you know what I'm saying? So I think there is a, I think there is a real pride, yeah, right. And being, we've said on this podcast before, I don't care how many struggles we have as black people, it's I wouldn't want to be nothing else but black. Nothing else but black. Yeah. And, and I know that if I was a white cisgendered man, the privilege that I would have, but I forfeit that every time to remain mm-hmm. who I am today as a black man. So. And I think from certain people's standpoints, we know people like this though, who be like, just do it. Just play. And I think there's a certain way we all got to play the game. But yeah. playing the game doesn't mean that I have to devalue or walk away from who I am. So what, what that spoke to me is that I think the reason this is sci-fi, so I have to take that into consideration. Mm-hmm. But in this movie, kind of like you people, which was poorly done, it showed us two extremes. Mm-hmm. Either you get in line or you die. And I think there are many of us who are living in a, I don't want to say a happy middle, but are saying that those extremes don't have to be true. Mm-hmm. I can be I can be authentically black and all that comes with that, right? Still represent uh-huh. my hood or whatever, whatever, and still find and not be killed in the process. I may face yeah. trouble, right? Mm-hmm. I may have targets on my back because of the type of success that I am and the influence that I can have positively on people, right? But it does not mean that I can't be successful. I think where we, where what what messes us up sometimes is that some of the mm-hmm. people who are influential end up having like some character flaws that may have been hidden. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we'd be like, "Oh, it was a target on their back," but was it really a target on their back, or was the stuff that they've been doing really hit the scene because now they're be- and they didn't stop. Yeah, you know, yeah. I don't want to talk about the Jonathan Majors thing because I don't know all the ins and outs and all that different kind of stuff. But what I will say is that if if the alleged allegations are true, mm-hmm. I don't think this is something new that Jonathan Majors started doing. Right, he may have been angry or aggressive all the time, right. but because he became a star, prompted an opportunity, mm-hmm. right, for somebody to 
lack of better words, expose this this same his same perspective around relationships and how he deals with you know whatever whatever all the time yeah. and i think we've seen that time and time again in history it's like some of this stuff that people have dealt with isn't anything they just start doing because they became celebrities it was probably stuff that they were they already struggled with yeah. or issues that they already had and now mm-hmm. that we're seeing this now with the current allegations against lizzo yeah music mm-hmm. you know all these different types of things and now you know people who are very close with her who work with her are providing a narrative i mean that is completely counter to yeah everything that she's established and i'm not saying that it's true or not all right. i'm saying is though we have to stop and think are, are all of these people wrong or is it that there's a possibility that this is something she you know may have may have struggled with that now people are saying and so, and I, I give all that to say, I don't think that everyone who is successful gets annihilated because it, you, they didn't assimilate. I right. think that there are, there are, there are times where people rise up, mm-hmm. right. And they're big and they're great. And, and then of course there are rumors and lies, right. People, yeah. say, people say stuff about Tabitha Brown, who is probably yeah. one of the most non-problematic people out there. So of course that kind of stuff is going to happen too. And everything about all these other people could be lies. Everything about Lizzo could be lies. Everything about Jonathan Major could be lies. Right. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. Alleged. Cause I don't know if any of these things are true. And I'm not perpetuating one thing or, or the other. What I am yeah. saying is though, I don't think the extremes have to be true. And even if they do become true, I think that there are nuances around those truths, right. That make that, that make them, realities not necessarily because they didn't assimilate or they did because like lizzo is the lack of assimilation yeah right <laughs> like she she ain't none of your standards mm-hmm. beauty you know traditional beauty standards any of that kind of stuff she's breaking all those modes and she's doing it well and i still love her music i still love what she represents right uh but to see her in this space now is like i also don't think that she's in this space because she didn't assimilate i think she's in this space for a number of other reasons yeah. What those real reasons are, I don't know. So again, my point being is that I don't think these two extreme truths are universal. Mm-hmm. But I do think as we climb a certain trajectory, we get closer to the annihilation part, but it doesn't have to be there. And I yeah. don't think we have to be wiped out when we don't decide to be who the world, the white gaze, the white lens, who they want us to be. Yeah. And I agree with that. I think there's all like to, to be original point as far as uh, wake up and, and not have what we have two Bible scriptures that kind of make me think about black culture. One mm-hmm. is what is salt if it loses its flavor? Like we're the salt of the earth in terms mm-hmm. of culture and and just stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? Like without black people, the world would be bland, right? I uh, mean, it was bland. It was funny that they made right. a they made a joke and when two white dudes were talking to each other and so oh man, chicken just salt and pepper. In the crock pot, delicious. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was kind of like, <laughs> what? Never. You know what I mean? Uh, another one is with uh, salt losing its flavor. What profit the man to gain her world and lose his soul? Like, what does it profit me to completely assimilate yeah. <clears throat> to a culture and literally lose everything that makes me who I am? Right. right? Uh, so I think those are some important things. Um and I just want to I just want to go back to that for a minute because yeah. like, it goes back to the piece where white people say well, I don't see color. When you don't see color, though, you said lose everything on end. My blackness is a thousand percent a part of who I am. Without right? doubt. So I can I don't I don't want and even just some of the the funny stuff we talk about. Um, you know, wrapping on aluminum foil plates and the the bag yeah. full of uh, grocery bag and the drawer full of grocery bags and the junk drawer and the the condiment thing like all of that like the, the that stuff makes me black. Yeah, and I I don't want to lose any of that. 
you know yeah. what I'm saying, to try to be a part of the fact that I like, I just, I just like watermelon. I don't care what y'all say. I will bring mm-hmm. it to my desk and work. I don't care what the stereotype is. Nigga, I'm going to eat more <laughs> watermelon, right? When I go out to eat right. and I order fried chicken, I'm not cutting it with a phone, spoon. Of, I am picking oh, it up. Picking it up. Mm-hmm. And I'm biting it because that's what I do, right? So again, why would I lose the essence of yeah. who I am just so you can, like, one thing I don't agree with is respectability politics. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't fall into them much often. I do think culturally, right? We we kind of we adhere to certain cultural norms depending on where we are. But at the very yeah. core, I am still Josh. Yeah. And that and it, and it comes with the level of growing, right? To be able mm-hmm. to accept the fullness of who you are and display that authentically in every space. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I just wanted to do that because because what they'll say is that well, we don't even see your blackness. But no, no. you can't diminish that because it's part of who I am, and I don't want to lose any of that to make you feel more comfortable. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. And, and being being authentically <laughs> you is what, if, if in my opinion, push you in those spaces mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because they wouldn't. Like for instance, like my job, um, they couldn't use any of their their other wholesales that they had. Mm-hmm. For the role that I had, it, it was impossible. There was nobody in in the within Lincoln, right? They, there was nobody that could have done what I'm doing. So they, the job was typical. Uh, it wasn't made for me, but it was made for me, right? Mm-hmm. It was made for my mm-hmm. teammates. They have literally brought two people in, who only these two people with you know maybe some other people in the world, but said, "Hey, we have this new role. We're gonna find people that can fit this role because nobody else mm-hmm. can do it." So it's really being you is what push you in spaces and keeps you in spaces because you, they brought you there for a reason. So I'm not you know, mm-hmm. trying to get in that soapbox as far as authenticity, but like you're there for a reason. They want you give all of you, you know what I'm saying? To a certain degree, yeah. of course, you know, uh, but give, 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 be you and show up as you in those spaces because that's what they brought you there for. That's what they want. Right. And yeah. I think, and I think we, and I think it is, it is an interesting balance. I'm rewatching insecure. Mm-hmm. And I and I recently saw the episode. This was season one, and I didn't realize this. This was the same girl from P Valley, the ghetto attorney summer intern. Mm-hmm. She was one of the strippers in P Valley in the most recent season. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like, oh my god, that's her. Anyway, but I remember when she was like, and Molly tried to tell her, "Hey, you might want to tone this down." Yeah. Right. And then, like an episode later, they asking her to talk to her about you know her big personality and things like that. And I think to me again. That was a big example, but it's still true, right? Yeah. Because to that point, Brian, how do you balance that? How yeah. do you assimilate in that when it seems like everybody laughing in your face, everybody mess with you, you came in loud, you came mm-hmm. in this, but then when they get a, they get it in full, they want you to tone it down. And then you got a black person who's also, and here's the thing, Molly may have had her issues, but Molly was black. Yeah. And I don't think she ever, like, you know what I'm saying? She, she was fashionable. She, mm-hmm. you know, different hairstyles. Like, she was, she wasn't, like, pro-black up in there. I mean, she she assimilated to a certain point, but I don't think she was in that joint playing white, right? Yeah. So, how do you, and I know this is a little bit off, but still on, how do you balance that, though? I, I think you balance it with the fact of, like, understanding that you can still be authentic, but then not necessarily give every bit of your authenticity, right? Mm-hmm. Like, nigga, we go out to eat, you and I, we're gonna be mm-hmm. loud and black. Oh, yeah, we're gonna sure. cackle loud, laugh loud. We're gonna be, you know, it's gonna be a whole thing. But you're not gonna do that in a Habitat for Humanity boardroom. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, for sure, no. You're not even gonna do that at the Durham mm-hmm. water cooler. You know what I'm saying? You just know there's a certain level of decorum that you're gonna have in certain spaces, right? That you can't be your full self. That you will be 
at the bar. But that's that's mm-hmm. not necessarily a black a black or white thing. That's just a thing because I've hung out with some. And you've probably done this too. Hung out with some of your your white coworkers at the bar, mm-hmm. and they are completely different. But let them show up to oh, the door, yes. to the boardroom. They are straight laced. You couldn't. You couldn't tell that they have this whole wild side, right? So mm-hmm. within that, you can you, you just you just understanding and navigating what space, what you can and cannot do in certain spaces. We don't do the same thing. We don't act the same way in church that we act at home. We don't act the same way in this place we act there. You can still be authentically you, but within those spaces, you kind of got to just tone or, or, or adjust uh, what you allow yourself to do just to maintain a certain level of decorum. Mm-hmm. Um, a few points before we head out. Uh, one was. Uh, I had a note that put the uh, the frustration once you realize that it's all manufactured, but you don't know what to do. Um, there are moments when I think when Fontaine realized that it was all fake mm-hmm. and he was just frustrated and didn't know what to do. Made me think about a James Baldwin quote. It says to be a Negro in this country and to be relatively conscious is to be in a state of rage almost, almost all the time and in one's work. So basically for those that haven't heard that before, the idea of like, once you see things that are going on in the world that are, are wild and manufactured and crazy, like oftentimes you can be frustrated, but then I guess the question is, what do you do once you find out? And like, can you just stay frustrated? Like what were your thoughts on that? I don't know. I, I, I do. I do think in a certain regard, Brian, like being black in America is kind of almost, and I know this kind of seems counterproductive to what we just said, but it is almost being in a consistent state of, I don't want to say anger, but at least frustration. Yes, I would because agree. if it if it ain't something on somebody down on the news, it's something that continues to spark the challenges that we face. Which is why you know I may sound like a broken record now, which is why I always say white supremacy is the ocean, not the shark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we fight individual people, right, and and things like that, but we're really fighting systems yeah. that have so influenced who we are, how we act. That it's it's we, we can't get away from it. I sent you mm-hmm. an Instagram post yesterday, I believe, where Jamel Hill asked a question yeah. about black business support. Mm-hmm. And in it, she was like, you know, and the, the person being interviewed was asking, you know, was basically saying that a lot of black businesses are outpricing or or gouging, right, their black customer base. And we see that in Atlanta, right? Oh, all a the lot. time. All the time. And, and Jamel Hill made an excellent point from both sides. She was like, I think black businesses sometimes are unfair um, because of what, you know, what they do in Atlanta, for example, you already go into a place, Midtown Buckhead, mm-hmm. right? Which is limited parking, but you, you charge me $20 to self park my car. Mm-hmm. There's a possible cover charge. Mm-hmm. The, the, the food and experiences, the food is usually good, mm-hmm. you know, but it is overpriced and you serving it to me on plastic plates with plastic utensils. Mm-hmm. And sometimes like a plastic table and ain't even a real table, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a 20% to 25% gratuity on less than six people, right? Yep. And then I can only stay there for an hour and a half yeah. because y'all are so busy. All mm-hmm. of it, I'm, I'm about to spend hundreds of dollars. Yeah. Some, sometimes before I even get, and then the drinks, cocktails are $20 a piece. Man, mm-hmm. we just talking, I can get a whole bottle or something for it was a cheap bottle of I can get a whole bottle of something between I add another third I can get a I can get a decent bottle of something right right so and and but that's because one sometimes I think somebody in the comments said you know black people are disproportionately like our loans and like lending practices are disproportionately like racist and targeted 
So yeah. our interest rates are higher, things like that. So they have to charge more sometimes to make their money. But at the same time, it's not always true. And I think sometimes, because I've been in other spaces to where it's been black owned establishments where the prices were, were decent. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, as black people, where, where I love Jamel Hill's point, that we have sometimes unrealistic expectations for mm. black businesses. We expect things to be cheaper. Mm-hmm. We expect like A1 customer service when we've been terrible and rude, but then we can treat people any kind of way, right? Mm-hmm. We, ex- we, we have a low expectation for black business that we wouldn't bring to other to other businesses. Mm-hmm. What am I saying to that? That is a systemic issue yeah. that has affected our societal view of how we view business in, in general. Yeah. I'm not giving that much money and paying that much stuff if my experience was that with a black business or a white business. Right. If I got to pay you $25 to self-park, I'm likely not coming back. Because mm-hmm. why? Like I'll give you $20 to valet my car, but to self-park my car and it's the 30% gratuity and I'm paying $45 for chicken and waffles? Yeah. For chicken and waffles? Yeah, and the then two pieces of chicken and waffles. Yeah, and it ain't even fancy chicken on a waffles. plastic plate. And yeah. you just threw some, you threw some parsley on there to make it pretty. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So that is always going to be in the back of my head. Black, white, Asian, whatever. Yeah. And the reason why I make this example is because that's the kind of stuff that continues to frustrate me. It's like mm-hmm. we can't, we can't. As black people, it's hard for us to just live sometimes and experience yeah. because yeah. we have all these other things that that affects our experience. And when we sit back and even think about some of the things that we do, even on a day to day basis, if you really think, yeah. you can see racism intertwined in almost everything we do. Everything, especially everything. If we do outside of the confines of our own community and our experience with other black yeah. people, it is influenced everywhere. Right? I was in a meeting last week where I had my braids. I've been had them since Clay. Mm-hmm. It's time to take them down. Whole another conversation though. Um, but I got on a one-on-one meeting and this white woman said, Ooh, are those braids? I said, Yeah. She said, I like your hair. I said, So the agenda that I, I meet, I'm like, girl, I'm talk to you about my hair. Right. And the reason why I make that example is because like if I one if I was a woman, you probably would still have the conversation, but you probably wouldn't be as bold to ask me mm-hmm. about my hair. But two, like, I got braids. I got enough hair to have braids. Like I ain't broken no laws. I ain't going against no policies. I'm not yeah. unkept or anything like that, right? So th- th- we're constantly fighting these battles. We're constantly mm-hmm. doing it because, you know what I'm saying? Like, because why you want to talk about my hair? And you want, you probably want to have a great conversation about it. And I wasn't going to give you that, right? Yeah. So to that point, though, I think, I, I don't say that I live in a consistent state of rage, but there are oftentimes I'm always battling and thinking through just a number of ways that my lived experience as a black man is mm-hmm. influenced by race, by systems that causes me, if I allowed it to, to mm-hmm. be perpetually frustrated, perpetually yeah. irritated by everything, almost anything that I could encounter on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, I agree with that. And the thing is, to me, I feel like it, 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 being sensitive to it and, and not in terms of like it hurts sensitive, but sensitive as far as like, like for instance, we had a, a most team meetings I'm on at the company I work for, only black person. Mm-hmm. It could be 40, 50 people. I'm the only one. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But then on the other situation, I may go down, I may go to a city, a more, I don't have to use the word urban, but you know, for back of better words, an yeah, urban sure. city uh, and, or a smaller town when it's just black folks and you really see no growth or development in the city. That's like racism. So I'm my mind thinking about like redlining. I'm thinking about, you know, lack of jobs and lack of education when they stripping uh, funding from schools for certain things. And, and, and all that is systemic. All that is people literally sitting down and saying, hey, how can we destroy this community? Right. Mm-hmm. And and then blame them for destroying their own community. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that's mm-hmm. that's the thing that, that enrages me. 
And then also what enraged me too, sometimes you have like survivors guilt wars like, yeah, I may have quote unquote made it, right? And then they're going to use us as like the, oh, see, you can do it. But it's like, you no, like, but no, nigga, like, you know, there were, there were certain things, you know, that worked in my favor. There were certain things that I said I didn't want to do or certain things that, you know, God orchestrated some things that literally it was him that got me into certain spaces. Of course, I had to continue to work to stay in those spaces. But oftentimes it's, it's everything is, 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 um, is rooted in racism or systemic oppression. And I think what hurts is in successes, even in failures, sometimes you can see that there were systems that were involved that kind of created these these situations. So you can't even really celebrate some things because you know, like, oh man, my brothers and sisters is out there, you know, stuck in this environment because mm-hmm. uh, systems have been created to create a level of hopelessness because of yeah. years of years of fighting. Like, you know, at some point you get tired of fighting, you're like, you know what? Whatever. Every day this nigga <laughs> had the every day he had the scratcher and was like, you lose. Bro, here's the you, the thing I noticed in that. Every time he scratched, he scratched a different one. Yeah. A different one. It was never the same circle. Everything, which lets me know is that sometimes no matter how hard you fight, what you do, what choices you make, sometimes you fight in a losing battle. Yeah. And, and it's and the, so draining. It's so draining because every day he was through the scratch. And then at the end of the movie, I think he scratched, he, was, he, he, was, he scratched all of them. And everyone was, you lose. Mm-hmm. So to your point, like, it gets draining because I've been fighting this battle and, but, and then there's no way for me to win. Like, why should I keep doing it? And and what happens is that's when that's when they 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 create the systems and then blame us for our success or failure, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. you created this system for him to for him to have a losing battle. Then when he gets depressed and then quits, then it's like, see, I knew y'all y'all were lazy. Like, no, nigga, you created this system to where I've been I'm, losing I'm, for twenty years. I'm Every tired. Day. I'm tired. 400 <laughs> years, bro. Y'all have been creating this system for us to lose and to fail and to be conquered. Y'all threw drugs in there. Y'all trip education. Y'all redline. I do all of these things. And then you want to point at certain people and say, you see y'all lazy. Like, no, like they're there for a reason. You created yes. this. You created a system for me to fall into this space. But here's the beauty that I think the movie showed us, right? Mm-hmm. We talk about it in theory a lot. But when we come together. That's it. That's where I wanted to close out with. When we come well, together, I must be in the Holy Ghost then, <laughs> because the same man that killed Fontaine was the same man they went to to create to orchestrate a plan to tear yep. down this system. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm not saying that oh we ain't never come together because we we know the power of us coming together. Civil rights yeah. movement, Black yeah. Panthers, Black Lives Matter, all these type of things that we've come together. For. If if that was a more consistent trend, despite mm-hmm. our and here's the thing, despite our differences, yeah. Despite our differences, right? When the power of black unity, and I think yeah. that's why you got people like um, Mitch McConnell, who's literally having a, a human glitch, yeah, in, in 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 public, right? Who's going to get probably elected next because they want to maintain certain systems mm-hmm. because they understand the power that if us getting together, mm-hmm. us binding together, and really having power, that is going to cause real widespread black liberation and that yeah. is as much as they may not want to ever say it out their mouth that is something that they do not want oh not at all and what they did in Glenn when they destroyed their system they created liberation in that space and yeah. even though those clones were released and out right it freed all of them yeah. from the, the pressure of what, whatever they were trying to do and mm-hmm. while they may have had other space but what is what it seemed like though is that mm-hmm. we didn't see the liberation in California but it, yeah. it spread because yeah. when we were watching the news, 
yep. right? Wake, wake so up. They was they was there, mm-hmm. right? Those clones were there. Those people were there. It was so something had. So I wonder what we didn't see was Fontaine. Did they go on tour, mm. waking niggas up and destroying systems all, all over the place? And, and and maybe that's the thing. Once once we once we understand the formula of like really like coming together and having liberation, it tr- it's transferable. Yeah. And so many, it, it can be do du- it's, it's duplicative, right? Uh-huh. And it can be replicated in so many different areas. So, um, I think there's real power of us coming together. The hood, yeah. the hood can come the together. Hood can come together. The hood can produce success. The hood right. can 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 uh, can ignite change. It's right. possible, man. Yeah, because the truth be told, we all we all want success. Yes, right? we all want to be successful. We don't like niggas that live in the hood. Don't really want to live in the hood all the time. You know what I'm saying? Like they. Like they want to be successful, they want to have the nice house. They want to, but again, the systems that were created to keep them in there. They said, "Let's just destroy this system, and let's let's do what we got to do." And like you said, the, the exposure uh, in the West Coast to Glenn is like, "Oh snap! Well, what else is there? Let me go do some digger deep in here in Los Angeles mm-hmm. and figure out if there's some other clones or whatever here." So, um, great movie. I'm giving it a ten out of ten, man. Oh, um, absolutely. Acting was great. The writing was great. Um, the storyline, the the interweaving of very important topics, like ser- like you gave us medicine, right? But mm-hmm. we can't even tell it was medicine, like you know what I mean? Like it was, it was just that great. Uh, so I would give it, you know, ten out. I want to point out one thing too. Go for it. Is it so? Going back to Black Liberation, remember okay. when they said Olivia Black, Olivia mm-hmm. Black, and everybody Olivia froze? Black. Yeah. Remember when they killed the original Tyrone, he said the phrase, but it didn't affect him. Mm-hmm. Is it that once you become woke, the things that once hindered you no longer have you bound? I agree with that. Because he remember, he was a clone and he had the new clone was also out there. Yeah. But he could he was able to utter the same words that imprisoned him mm-hmm. and not be bound by it and use those same words against his oppressor. Yeah. Right. To destroy the system that was oppressing him. Yeah, and I just feel like once, once you become to a liberated space, the mm-hmm. things that once and that could, ooh, that could be spiritual. That could be a lot yeah, of things. I'm telling you, everything. <laughs> it could be a lot of things. Once yeah. you, once you understand the tactics of the enemy, you can yeah. use those tactics against him. Yeah, and it no longer affects you because you, you oh. know what he gonna do. Yeah, you know what it is. Mm-hmm. And the same, the one, the thing that once had you bound is the very same thing that can be used to set you free. Hey, happy Sunday. Whew. That's a word. We're getting Remember, on that, bro. Freedom, freedom is such a powerful tool. It is. Once you're free, and I don't care what you say anymore, it's not going to take me back. Mm-mm. It may mess up the, the other person because they ain't been free yet. Yeah. So yeah. Bray was still stuck because mm-hmm. he was under that control. Man, let's get out of here. That movie was a what Beyonce say? Ten, ten, tens up across the board. It was great. It was so good. So, so good. good. Netflix, you did it. Uh, not you even credit Netflix. Y'all just the distributors. All right. the people behind it, all the actors, the, the directors, the producers, y'all did this. Jamie Foxx, glad that you are well. This is this is one that I would have paid to be in the movie theater to see. Yeah. 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 It was paid. that good. It was, it was that good. It was that good. It's once it was in that a, good. Once, it's like one of the once a year they became a, a movie. Yeah. Yeah. Because here's the thing, like, I don't know that we had a, like, I'm going to say it this way. I don't know if it would have done as well in the movies though, because I feel like people like no shade to our friend Chris, but I feel like more people would have been like him and been skeptical. Mm, who clay clone Tyrone and this yeah. sci-fi movie? Because you know we don't really go into sci-fi like that. 
Nah, nah. Black people as a whole. But I feel like when stuff is on Netflix and Hulu, although we're playing for it, we see it as free. Yeah. So we're more inclined to take the risk. Yeah. Than getting up, putting on clothes, paying money, buying popcorn. Mm. Right, 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 right. Um, so anyway, on that end, I'm glad it was on Netflix, but I also feel like this could have, if it had the, if it had the same level of support, this could have been a blockbuster hit, bro. This yeah, was it's good. This so was good. good. So good, so good, so well People done. need to talk about it. People need to talk about it. Oh, we okay. need to talk about it. All right, um, pockets of joy. Uh, yeah, let's do it. Let's roll. You couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Uh, you could never ever bring me down. Couldn't do it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're here at Pockets of Joy, where we talk about things we're doing intentionally to bring us joy. Josh, what yes. are you planning on doing to bring you joy? Um, I am enjoying the fact that my children are back in school. I think I said that in the beginning and <laughs> that's bringing me so much. I love my children, but for, if you're not a parent that you don't understand, they, children are joy. Like I love my, I love my boys. I love yeah. being a parent, but it is very different when you're navigating your day-to-day life and having mm-hmm. to actively parent while doing that. Like, not saying that I don't parent, but right. that time at school while we're at work, because that's just how our society is, right? Yeah. Doesn't give me space to be as productive as I want to be. Um, my children had expectations of me of working, and you know, I then I feel the guilt, Dad, you're still working. Like my kids just begin to understand because as working in the school system, that I don't have a I have a traditional job. Everybody ain't off in the summer. They think they thought everybody was off in the summer. Uh, <laughs> and I said, I wish, right? So having to navigate mm-hmm. that 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 emotional pool, having to navigate those realities, you know, are kind of over in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just the, you know, and just from a from a real standpoint, like it's a lot having them here every day. They get bored, you know. My kids are no limits. So they like to fight. You know, they boys, they rough. You know what I'm saying? So having this time to having this time to focus and to lock in um, is self care. And I yeah. also feel I just I'm, I'm gonna stand on this here. I feel like as parents, we still need time to be, yeah, ourselves. Like we still need time to get away from the responsibility of parenting, um, which is the beauty of villages, the beauty of grandparents. So um, while it is joking, it is it is it is redeeming of the time mm-hmm. in a sense to be able to have the space to lock in, to focus, um, and to get back into a certain rhythm while also still being very active and giving them everything I got. Uh, from a less frustrated place, because I ain't have to, I ain't have to navigate all that during the day, yeah, and be frustrated. Like y'all be quiet, y'all hush. I'm trying to start meeting, start meeting. I can get all that done, and then when they're here, I can be full parent, mm-hmm. right? Instead of giving them what I feel like was parts of me during the day when they wanted all of me, I can get them all right. of me in the in the evenings, afternoon. So just le- leaning into that is 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 my joy. Yeah. Um. This week, that's a good one. Uh. This week, I'm actually what brings me joy is I'm celebrating somebody else. So I'm gonna take mm-hmm. the time to say, uh, by the time we're listening to this episode, it is Lauren's birthday. Okay. Uh, so he is turning forty. This is her fortieth year. So we are doing a fortieth birthday party for her. Yes, uh, as you already know. Yes, so we're doing that. So we're super excited about that. So happy birthday to Lauren. And hopefully, you know, it gives me joy to celebrate those uh, who are around me. And uh, I do appreciate. So that's going to be my, you know, intentionally bringing me joy is going to be celebrating her and also being around because we share a lot of the same friends, being a lot around our friends and family this weekend uh, to have a great time uh, for for Lauren. Amen. All right. Do we have anything in the P.O. box? Uh, let's see. We sure do. 
So let's get into it. Let's go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are here to pull off his box. And as you know, Rodney Jenkins does what he all he did, what he always does, and is bring us our letter on time, despite the how old is being in town and crowding up the street. Um, <laughs> the mail, the mailbox was delivered on time. But before we get into the letter, I'm gonna let you know that you too can be a part of the show by writing in to ask the jigsaw at gmail.com. That is ask the jigsaw at gmail.com. We will do a few things. One, we will read your letter out loud. Um, we're gonna give you a pseudonym. Uh, to protect your privacy and your pronouns. And then we're going to give you the best non-professional um, therapeutic advice that you can receive on Cicely Tyson's internet. So with that being said, understood and accepted, Brian, who do we have and what do they want? Pronouns, he, him. Mm. Mm. Let's just go Tyrone Jenkins. Tyrone Jenkins. All right. Strong black name. Strong. <laughs> Tyrene's, Tyrone says, hey, brothers, I'm going to keep this short and sweet. Okay. I was re-listening to your podcast episode, Uncle Era, and it's hard for me to really embrace that. I feel like mm. the older I get, the less I've sped or sped into place, purpose, and passion. Let me read that again. I feel like the older I get, the less I've sped into purpose and passion. How do you stay motivated when things haven't happened on your time frame? Um, mm. How you keep your passion and purpose burning and at the top of mind while getting older. So how do you stay motivated when things <laughs> haven't happened on your time frame? We can definitely break that down. Um, how do you keep your passion and purpose burning at the top of your mind when you're getting older? Uh, that is from Tyrone Jenkins. Ooh, you want to go first? That's lovely. Um, it is. It is. Um, well, first, thank you for listening, re-listening, re-listening to the episode because it means you listen to it multiple times, which is great. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, and purpose and passion is interesting, man. Because somebody said recently, the part your purpose is something that affects somebody when you're doing it. So, may not necessarily you may not get the the value out of it, but it does affect somebody else when you're doing it. Um, but the word I, I kind of want to break it is your time your time frame because oftentimes we like we create our own time frame for certain things we said mm-hmm. by the time i get this age i'm gonna do this mm-hmm. i'm gonna get this mm-hmm. age i'm gonna do that and oftentimes like life doesn't doesn't turn out like that like it really doesn't and i would oh. say i i'm 38 there's no way i would wanted to have a three-year-old at 38 no way <laughs> you know what i'm saying like i got married at 24 i was thinking about like 27 kid you know what i'm saying like i would yeah. at this point in my mind my time frame me and josh's kids would have been the same age mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. i got a three-year-old right didn't happen in my time um i worked at an i went to college late in life didn't mm-hmm. happen in my time right mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. i worked at the same organization for like 16 going on 17 years I, in my mind i probably would have done something different but now i'm at a place and god has gave me a great chance and opportunity to make a tremendous amount of cash, but yeah. also do something that really, you know, speaks to what I, I like to do. Uh, so I think the the toughest thing and the, the advice I would say is get rid of that time frame. right? Get mm-hmm. rid of mm-hmm. what you think should happen within this time frame. Don't get rid of your purpose and your passion, right? But don't confine yourself to if it doesn't happen during this time, then I'm going to get frustrated. I'm going to be, uh, um, Upset because even though I wanted to have kids earlier, in hindsight, I probably wouldn't be able to do the things I want to do now, right? In terms of the schooling, the education, the 
the lifestyle I have now, the lifestyle I have now, I appreciate, you know, so some things really just, you know, not, I've been doing a lot of scriptures today. All things work together for the good of them that love God and are called according to his purpose. Like <laughs> things are going to work when they work, you know what I'm saying? And you will look back and you'll be like, and if, I don't know if you are a faithful person or not, but you can be like, look back if you are and say, man, God, thank you. Because I never would have imagined me doing this at this time, at this space, in this place in my life. But it's just like, I'm going to trust you. Mm-hmm. Then it's going to happen. Uh, and the second one is how do you keep the passion burning you know, at the top of your mind while getting older? If it's in you, it's in you. Right? If it's in you, it's mm-hmm. in you. We say it all the time. Mm-hmm. If cap is in your heart, it's, it's not going to leave you. You know what I'm saying? It's there. My God. My you, God. We know some old... <laughs> Some old, older brothers, right? Um, mm-hmm. who, and they never, <laughs> they never gave up hope. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't see myself doing what they did at the age that they did it. Listen, I got line brothers in their fifties. Me so, too. So, and it never left their, and it never left their heart. All things are possible. <laughs> so, if it's if it's really your passion and really your purpose. Uh, it's, it's going to remain there. It should remain there uh, until until God works it out within his time because his time and his ways are better than our ways. So uh, you, Josh? I, I really have nothing to add to that. You gave the only thing I will say is that I was listening to another podcast and they was talking about, I forget what they were talking about, but they said something along the lines of oftentimes we operate on our deadline when mm-hmm. God has a timeline. Oh, that's good. It was ain't that good? That that's blessed real me. Good. Um, so I, I want you. I just want you to consider that because to Brian's point, I thought I said in my head I wanted to be pastoring by thirty. Mm. Full pastor living that life. Imagine that. Pastor. I'm almost thirty four, <laughs> and don't even have a things may be changing soon, but don't even have a, a real position <laughs> in the church, right? So let alone just found what I yeah. consider to be a solid church. Um, yeah. currently, so let alone be fully pa- in Memphis. Full, that mm-hmm. was my, because I'm like I don't want to know your old pastor. Yeah. I don't want to do that, right? right? And and even just the context of thinking like 30 was like creeping up against age, and at 34, almost you know feeling the, you know the most in shape that I feel. All these different types of things. So anyway, I agree with Brian in the sense that my my perspective of time and place and deadline was completely off, mm-hmm. right? And understanding that. If I had done that, I wouldn't be in this media space. I wouldn't be mm-hmm. doing this DEI work. All this, all this stuff that I think really can be ministry, right? Mm-hmm. I've been in space where people ask me, "What church you go to? You a pastor? You did this? You do that?" Yep. And mm-hmm. they ain't talked about God one time, right? Because as Brian said, if it's in you, it's in you. The light's mm-hmm. gonna shine, right? Yeah. So I think that's one way to keep your passion and purpose burning and at the top of mind. The other thing is that don't get too. I would the only, the only other thing I would add is that don't get too commonplace with it. Right. Yeah. I think sometimes we 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 love certain things. We do certain that it becomes um, routine mm-hmm. for us. Find ways to fall in love with your passion again, um, even if that means taking a break from it yeah. and coming back to it. I have to do that in writing. I'll write something, think it's great. And when I come back to it, be like, oh, Josh, the edits <laughs> that I give myself. Right. Because I had time to step away from it and reapproach it with a new, fresh perspective. So. Anyway, um, prayers up to you, Tyrone. I understand yes. where you are. Uh, embrace the Uncle Era. What I will yeah. say is that going into these 30s has been a great decade. Mm. It's been a great decade. Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm in my 20s with more money. And yes. I can only imagine. I ain't rushing to get to 40. Mm. I can only imagine 
the level listen. of flex I'm going to have on you niggas at 40. Listen. My God today. If you're thinking right. I'm flexing now in this silver <laughs> Ultima, you wait until I get you wait until I get this big body G-Wagon. Listen. And, and I just pull up. You know what I'm saying? I ain't, I'm balleting everywhere. Listen, <laughs> I'm doing all the things. You know what I'm saying? So. Yeah, so I keep talking myself out of, of getting another car. I'm like, I just I, I want that. I want that Range Rover. Just I want that it. Tesla. I, just I, I want. It. I ain't, <laughs> nah, I'm protesting against that racist white man. I ain't getting yeah, no Tesla. But, but I definitely <laughs> want that. I want that. I want that big old red Range Rover. But I'm not going to do it though. I'm, not, I'm, I'm gonna wait. I want a black on black G wagon, Rev. I want. I want that big boxy truck. I want that big body <laughs> band, Rev. I love that thing. I love it. I got oh, keys yeah. for Gucci shoes for their birthdays. And I'm gonna be able to just be like, okay, take the card and get it, brother. I, you know, yeah. That's that, and and it may sound materialistic, but no, but no. that's that's my one of my desires to be able to just give and provide a lifestyle, freedom. of not of entitlement, but of just like you said, of freedom. Like yeah. I'm still gonna teach my kids that you gotta earn things and stuff like that. But at right. the same time, if you ask me for whatever, it's like, all right, whatever, get I got it. it. Like, I want to be able to go to when I'm doing school shopping, like we, we like I. I I'll end it like this because I know we can. This can turn to a whole nother. As the woman said, this can turn to a whole nother lie. <laughs> but we just dropped by four hundred dollars on shoes for school, right? Which mm-hmm. is fine. Shoes cost what they cost. But I want to be able to be like, you like those, those, and those. I bet. Let's just get them. And that's just, you know, what I'm saying without being like, yeah. I'm not gonna drop a thousand because I'm not gonna drop a thousand dollars today on school <laughs> on, sh- on shoes for school. I'm just not at, not at one time. I'm right. not right, mm-hmm. but I. It, I would love today to be able to just do that. And my kids don't feel like, oh, he owed me that. It's just like my daddy wanted to do it. He did it. Yeah. And you know what I'm saying? And and that's the case. So I want you to be in that space of like, find you something that motivates you to keep going. Whether it's, yeah. it seems superficial, but maybe that's the space, right? Um, and knowing if you, and if you have the right heart, I believe that it won't just be superficial stuff. You're going to pour it back into the community and pay it for it in many ways. So um, keep it at the forefront of your mind, bro. Um, Release yourself from the burden of mm-hmm. deadlines yeah. and just flow. Flow with God. Flow with God. Flow with God. All right. Carry the conversation. Let's do it. Let's go. Let me talk. Let me talk. All right. Greater conversation is where we get some things off of our chest and said every week. Uh, tomorrow's not promised. Just cuss them out today. Do it today. Uh, Josh, you have something you want to get off your chest? You know, I don't think that I do. I don't. Yes, I do. Issa Rae. Let me let me get on Issa for a second. Okay. Issa. Yeah, I'm gonna tell you my beef with Issa. I'm okay. rewatching Insecure. Oh, okay. And I'm upset. I know you said that Insecure always had an ending in your brain, but baby, you didn't have to do it to us that fast. This show <laughs> is so great. It's, it it's is good. so. I, I've gotten over the fact that you said it was a 30 minute comedy. We only get an hour. But can we get a movie? Can we get a Kelly spinoff? It, bro, it is aging. I'm, I'm up here laughing at a 2017 mm-hmm. episode. Mm-hmm. Like that joint just came out. <laughs> I have a better understanding of Molly after watching it back to back. I don't have a lot of time to be upset with her. I'm seeing mm-hmm. some of the things making a little bit more sense. I'm seeing the toxicity of Issa as a person mm-hmm. and a friend a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a new perspective. This is my first time like intentionally watching it over. And I'm just like, man, I miss this. 
Yeah. I miss this. I miss it. So my beef is with Issa. And I know right now rap stuff ain't coming back because of the I ain't gonna say it's not, it's coming back, but it's on pause because of the, the strikes and stuff like that. Shout out to all the actors and writers out there who are trying to get their coin y'all deserve. But man, we ain't got nothing from you right now. And, and you're such an amazing creative. Yeah. And, you know, and thank God that we got Max and Netflix now that's showing insecure. But my God, I am upset that it's we don't have it we, we're still not learning about what Lawrence and Chad and Kelly and Tiffany and Molly yeah. and Issa and them are up to uh-huh. Dro, all the people great show all great the people show. great show man great, great show, show. Um, <laughs> side note you remember when she had the party at her house the plus one party her brother Ma said hey Tiffany look at you and look at you in your coat <laughs> and when the gang member walked in there and thought East was gay, it was like, it looked at Kelly and said, Hey, that's you? And she's like, I'm not gay. He was like, Mm hmm. <laughs> it, it was so many, it was so many things. But that show was amazing. That's just one episode. That's one scene. It's so amazing. It's a, it's a great show. It's definitely in my top three favorite shows. I think uh, Breaking Bad, Game of Thrones, and Insecure. <sighs> my top three favorite shows of all time. Like, I can literally. Uh, I think Lauren was like, if I could bring any one show back, what would it be? I said, Insecure. Like that oh, yeah. is probably, I might put that number one in my favorite show in terms of just, I can see myself in it. It feels mm-hmm. like home. It's mm-hmm. soul food. It's funny, but also has moments where it pricks your heart. It's romance. It's 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 everything you can think of, man. So yeah, it's great. Eat, so. It's but, great. Yeah. Um, All right. How about you, bro? I had a great conversation. I forget what it was. Uh, what made me upset this week? I can't remember what it was, but I saw Choose Your Joy. I'm going to Choose Your Joy. All right. And, and uh, I'll be that. All right. Well, with that being said, I'm still accepting. This has been another episode of the Jigsaw Podcast. Thank you again for listening and tuning in. We love y'all. We appreciate y'all. Um, a reminder, we ain't here next week. So don't nah. come. Look, we dropped a bonus episode yesterday from That Chick Angel. I conversation with That Chick Angel. So nice. you got two this week. Well, yesterday, well, it'll have been Tuesday if you listen to this on the drop. So we dropped the bonus episode Tuesday. We got this episode now. Um, so enjoy. Enjoy. Um, so we'll see y'all in a couple of weeks. And yeah, that's all I got, Brian. Yep. Uh, and speaking of Angel, uh, Frida, you still need to get on that. You are, yep, you're up. You got, 20, you got 48 hours to respond. <laughs> I love Saucy Santana and all. I love Santana, but it still needs That freedom. song was made for Big Frida. It, it was, was made for Freddie from the, <laughs> Louisiana. Like, Big Frida, we need you on this number. Like, I'm telling you. Uh, but thank you all for everything you, you do. already know. <laughs> now. <laughs> Listen. Ooh. Her show, she has, her show is back on. She has another reality TV show that's really good. Mm. Um, I, I, we will definitely watch it. I love it for her. I love it for her. she I is a her. probably the top of my list of guests I would love to have on this show. All right, let's do this. Zoom in, y'all. Come in close. <laughs> Anybody who knows Frida got to connect with Frida. We want Frida on the podcast. So if y'all can help us make that happen, please, please, please. I I embarrassed myself in New York. I saw Big Frida. I said, before I even think about it, I said, Fred, ah! <laughs> I was on business. It was embarrassing. <laughs> but I love Big Freedom. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So hit her up on social media. Let her know that we need to be on. Uh, she needs to be on the show. Yeah. They be on the show. I don't know what pronouns they go by. Um, need to be on the show. 
Continue to follow us on social media. I am Josh Rogers. I am Brian here, the Jigsaw Podcast. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Please uh, uh, rate us, subscribe, share, like, five stars, nothing at all. Uh, and, you know, hack the Jigsaw if you want to send anything in to us. We are open to any conversations you want us to have. And um, we'll, I'm sure y'all going to miss us while we're off next week. But I will miss you too. What was that boy's name in the parent trap who had those? Who had that Bob braid? <laughs> Bob <laughs> Parenthood. Parenthood. You know, with Robert Townsend. And, uh, oh, I know you're talking about. I don't know his name, though, but I know you're talking about, though. <laughs> he was Kyle's little brother, living single one episode, too. But anyway, uh, I was looking at these braids like, wait a minute. They might they might got a couple more days left in them. Um, but anyway, all you can do is what you can while you can in the various ways that you can. But all you're doing, saints and friends, blacks and non blacks, please yeah. don't get caught with your work undone. See y'all in a couple of weeks. Peace. Love y'all.